Hello, everybody. Uh, it's time for a very special Bonzilla podcast. The this end is, of an era. This so is to the most. This is the most special it gets. We've had a very. We had many uh, special episodes, but this. There, there's nothing more special than this. Well, I mean, there could be. No, there's nothing. There's no, unless you gave birth to a child and named said child the Bonzilla Podcast. That's the only thing that's remotely as, and I'm using air quotes here, special as that. And that and that's still up for debate because well, this is just... the because here's the thing. Anybody can, you know. Children are brought into the world all the time. Mm-hmm. But there's only one end to the Bonzilla podcast. And, and you know, I know what you could say. Every, anybody can end a podcast, but nobody else could end the Bonzilla podcast. And and as far as I'm concerned, we don't even have to do anything special. We can just coast through this episode. We can get nude. You wouldn't even know. And... Who's to say we aren't nude right now? Exactly. So, I mean, we basically have peaked, I think. Well, I was just going to say the only thing would be if we got all the living Bonds and all the living Godzillas on the same episode. Uh, the world couldn't handle it. That would be too big. No, the, the world couldn't handle it. But, you know, at the same time, we we thought the same way uh, once upon a time about the... Um, about the MCU and uh, look what they were able to do. It's true. And uh, but I think the best thing would be if we got all the living Bonds and all the living Godzillas, but then we didn't actually talk about Bond or Godzilla at all. Like we just yeah. like watch like that's who we get to watch the core with us. Like the, what if it, what if what if it's just all the Bonds are riding different Godzillas into battle against? I mean, I mean, if you can make that happen in podcast form, I think that yeah. would be. It's a radio. Uh, think, it's a radio play. I think that's more more of an art piece, but um, no, no, we gotta we gotta get some CG artists on here. Some renderings. Yeah, we gotta some... we gotta get. No, no, no. I'm talking full animations. Oh yeah, like why are you trying fakes? to skimp out? This is the get... this is the end of. Nick, I don't think you understand, and I don't think the audience understands. This is the final episode of the Bonzilla podcast. Yeah. Do you understand what what I'm trying to what I'm trying to tell you? <laughs> yes. Oh boy. Anyway. So anyway, so yeah, goodbye everybody. This is it. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Plug away. We'll see you on Bonzilla Presents. No, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more. Oh my god! Anyway, or for our for our fans. But anyway, yeah. So everybody, uh, listeners, fans, everyone alike, welcome to the end. It is us, and we're here to truly, you know, all all, all kidding aside, it, it it is it is very cliche to say, but it is kind of the end of our own little mini era with with this one. I mean, it's, again, it's it's not to say we've been doing this since 2017, and we've been talking about Bond and Godzilla on this podcast since 2017, and so to kind of end one chapter and begin another one is uh, it's a big deal. It's a big deal in anyone's sort of 
we've, we've gone through many life changes over this podcast. We've discovered many new movies and new favorite characters and moments. And, and a lot has happened in the world mm. from the beginning to the end. And it, yeah. it's really crazy to think about. Yeah. And, it, and it's fun for the, and so for those who um, may, um, you know, just to kind of give some context for this episode, I, I think some of it will just be us, you know, chatting. This will be our final Bonzilla off the cuff, shoot the shit, and then we'll get into some more substantial stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But this is this is you're you're getting full raw Bonzilla podcasters. I mean, this is what the people want, and mm-hmm. this is I mean, this is the stuff that I think that people. One of the reasons that there's been so you know, people who want us to continue. And obviously we are going to continue in, in a new fashion. Um, but I think that this is what the people like. People like us. Mm-hmm. And they, people like us just rambling about nonsense. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it, it, it is. Um, I remember, uh, you know, you know, I, we've, we've talked about it many times uh, before about just like the origins of, of this show. Um, and excuse me, I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with some, see, this is, this is just a typical, just some technical difficulties. I'm getting a little, getting a little static. Hello. Ah! There I am. Okay. Wait. Okay. Good. Okay. There I am. Um, and that's staying in too. I mean, it always does. Cause <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, we, we've talked a, a, a bunch about before about the, the origins uh, of, of this, sh- of the show. And, um, you know, I, I even want to go back further, further than that. And then just the, what, what makes all of this interesting. And, you know, so we're, we're going to recant or recount. Didn't you tell me which one was, which one, or is that somebody else? Recant re- is when re- you take something back. Yeah, recant is yeah. like you're if you like told the origins and you're like, no, that's wrong. I recant everything I just said. Like you're basically right. striking it off the record. Whereas you're gonna recount, you know, you're either gonna recount something, or you know, like literally number recount it, or mm-hmm. you're gonna recount it like in general. Like you're gonna recount, uh, you know, you know, it's what we did on the podcast. We we kind of recounted the whole Bond and Godzilla canon. You know, we we kind of did that. See, this is your you, that was smart. This is. This is why you're the future, Nick. <laughs> this is this is why you know where the where the podcast is going. Um, but yeah, it, it, so it, it was interesting. So Nick and I we, we go way back, um, and I've been thinking about this recently. Um, just you know, because as you as all of us as have had the time uh, to probably just stay at home, and you know, every now and then you kind of like reminisce about different things. But which actually reminds me about something about memories. This may be getting too deep for the podcast, but this is what they're here for. I, I wonder if on this podcast sometimes we just go on rants and then we just say, "But this is this is why the people are here." Like, is that why the people are here? Or do we just say that to make ourselves and our rants feel I think better? It's a, I think it's a part of why the people are here. I mean, I I I, I genuinely do. I genuinely do that. I think it's our well, chemistry. Okay, so I, it's just our chemistry on on Mike. Well. I I've had this thing, and it deals with movies. So I will bring it. I it will come back around. 
But yeah. I had this kind of thing where, you know, you get, you know, you reminisce about different things. And I was going through, I was looking through old, like, photos and, and old uh, career uh, or jobs I used to have and things like that. And then, you know, sometimes you ever have those memories of, like, oh, man, like, you're, 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 you're thinking about a certain time in life. And you, you, like, think about, like, the lows of that time. I find that when I do that, I get so caught up in the memory. So it's very similar to how you – when people ask me how do you rewatch movies so much or, like, the argument about how do you watch a movie if you know what's going to happen at the end. And I've never had that problem because I just get so caught up in the story. Yeah. I find that happens with my memories because sometimes, like, very recently I was thinking about, like, a certain time in my life where, like, oh, man, yeah, I remember that job. Oh, but then I also remember, like, right after that, I was in, like, some pretty dire career straits and, like, you know, having, you know, life and money issues and it's not going to work out. But as I'm remembering it, like, I'm thinking about it as if I'm in that time. So, like, I get so caught up in it. I'm like, man, how am I going to get out of this situation? Like, how can I possibly work this situation out? Meanwhile, I'm sitting in present day where it did work out. <laughs> you're like living like your own kind of personal like kind of yeah, time travel I, story. And, and I rec- and I and I related that to it's kind of similar to when you rewatch a movie or when you watch a movie and you get invested even though you know what's going to happen. I don't know if that happens to you or like or if anybody else, but it's a weird like I get so caught up and I'm like like I just get so emotionally invested in those low points in my life, even though <laughs> they worked out. <laughs> no, I mean it's I so think, weird. but I, I do think that's a that's a part. Of, I mean I don't do the exact same thing, but I I do. You know I've also done reflecting um, on, you know, like how the important moments of my life and how they've shaped me to the person I am. And I Mm -hmm. think that's kind of what that type of reflection is, is that every moment that we live is something that leads you to the present moment. And, you know, some things kind of you take more from some situations than others. Like I was rewatching the movie high fidelity last night with John Cusack and I had watched it in ages and it's in my top 25 still. Um, but I just hadn't watched it. I just hadn't sat down and watched it for a long time. And like watching it, I was like, oh man, I totally forgot how important this movie is to me and how it came at a really important kind of low point in my life and helped shape me to become a better person just based on kind of the message and and kind of the the ending of that movie. Right. And also how much of myself, uh, the parts of myself I hated in college, I like see in this movie, like it's all just kind of came rushing back Mm -hmm. and started the same thing. I kind of reflected on kind of, you know, like kind of summer between junior and senior year and how important that was to, to my life and my, how, who I am today. And I think you just get caught up in, in those moments. And I think, you know, I, I kind of take that when I watch movies again, like I love watching movies again because I love, ingesting them but i also love kind of reliving the great moments in those movies like i can watch like you know again recently i got the holiday on blu-ray because it's a movie i inexplicably love and it's a great movie but just like re-watching like i just get so much joy of like getting to the first time that jude law and cameron diaz meet in that movie and mm-hmm. that whole scene it just brings me such joy to revisit it anytime i do mm-hmm. and so that's what i love about kind of movies and it's something that 
you know, you and I share, we both are very much, we like to rewatch movies and I think it's, we do hold movies and memories very dear to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. It, it was just something, it was just something very odd. And then, and, and it's apropos to, to this episode as we will be talking about remembering the show. So see, I, I brought it back around. Yes. It were it were it works out. I mean, like, you know, and it's funny because some of those times, uh, not related to the podcast, obviously, but some of those times were during the the duration of making this podcast. And that was kind of another thing where it's like how long, you know, we we've been doing it. Like, you know, we we've been we, we put a we put a couple years uh into this and um and that was uh and, and that's been fun. So like so you and I like so we go back and at this point, you you and I have known each other for like ten years. At this point, yes, yes, which Since was two thousand and ten, which is crazy because you and I went to school together, and it's we kind of and it's kind of crazy to think that you know this portion, at least our friendship, but then other factors of you know where you know where we live and everything like that has been a decade at this point. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, no, it's, that's it's, crazy. I mean, it's kind of one of those things where I hadn't really considered because it's also 10 years since Tron Legacy came out, which was obviously that's around that same time. (laughs) But it was like kind of like, oh, man, that was, you know, my freshman year of college. So I'm I'm 10, you know, 10 years since I started, Mm -hmm. you know, college. And and it's it is crazy to consider. And it just it doesn't feel that long. You know, I I guess it kind of does. It kind of both doesn't feel that long ago and feels like an eternity ago. Like I, I think it's like both at the same time. Yeah, it, it, it's weird sense. because there are certain things where, like when you when you really think about just like all the th- like you know, it, it because for me I, I I've only really lived in two places and. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of one of those things where when you look at like just our, you know, the current situation, I don't mean like modern day with all the craziness going on, like right this second, but just like, you know, where everybody ended up. And then you think of like, you know, there was a time when, you know, you let's say you come to school and you don't know this place at all and you're in a dorm room and uh, it's 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 a very and then you can and you can chronicle like the different the different things. Cause another thing I was thinking of too was I remember when Avengers Endgame came out and you know, there's the whole thing about, um, it's a five year jump, um, yeah. spoilers for that movie, but it's like, you know, they, you know, the, the Thanos snap happens and then the five years happen and you know, and, and you buy it, but it's one of those things where I've always wondered like in movies when they do that time jump, like you're like, well, it's like five years really like, like the time period where, you would be like that emotionally affected by it. It's just something I've always wondered. But then I just think about like, you know, 10 years and, or even just like, like the four years of school and just like, well, a lot, you know, had, you know, you just go through so much emotion and experiences just in that little amount of time or in that same amount of time. So it just really just makes, makes you think about the roller coaster. And also, the messed up part is that your problems don't stop either. <laughs> you just kind of, you kind of have like different. You yeah, you kind of yeah. you kind of have like the same problems, but different ver- versions of it. It's very right. much like the MCU in that way, where it's right. like it's still the same type. Like your life is still basically the same Marvel movie, except it's just kind of like, 
oh, but like this some like this year it was a little bit funnier. <laughs> <laughs> and then this this no, year I mean, feels like, you like go the end of the through, world. You know, again, similar versions of different problems and different versions of similar problems. And you, the way, again, like we talked about, the little moments throughout your life are what leads you to how you handle those problems and who you meet and how you interact with people. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, you know, knowing you has for 10 years has definitely changed my life in, in different ways. And knowing, you know, our friends of the pot trick, Pendra the Pat, I always do this. <laughs> this is the first the... one. Friend, what was it? Friend, friends of the pot, Podrick. Yes, Patrick and Kenny. Like knowing them, mm-hmm. and you know when I meet them, and 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 how they've changed, and how you've changed, and how I've changed, and and just what's happened, and who I've, you know, what movies have come out in that time, and you know the experiences that I've gotten to have in between that time, and mm-hmm. it's it's all a lot happens over a period of time. Like right. again. When like it's like that song in Rent, which well, how many ever how many how do you measure a minute or whatever, right? Like with it's seconds, just like, it really is. Right, I don't know. How do you wait? Because that song's like, how do you measure measure a year? Right? Is that, is that right. like the song? But it's like they right. did it. it. They do it, it. They say they do it in seconds. Right, but you can also do it in cups of coffee. No, you can't. You can't do it in cups of coffee. That's right. a that's that's lunacy. That's, I mean, this isn't crazy. a Rent podcast, so I think we should move on. Well, I mean, it's just like, but I just can't let that kind of idiocy slide. I mean, you know, yeah. they're talking about, they literally give you a, a, a measurable unit and then they go on to this nonsense about cups of coffee. But that's like, that's the point of the song though. It's like, yes, you can measure it very clinically in seconds, yeah. but the moments of a year and how they pass means different things to everybody. Yeah, but, but, but then that, but that's why you have seconds in units of time because it's an objective measure that binds us all together. I mean, have you ever even seen Rent? Uh, no. I I've only I've heard the soundtrack a lot because my mom really liked the soundtrack, and I know Rosario Dawson's in it. Well, that's the movie. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm talking about on stage. Yeah, but like, I mean, Adina Menzel. She is, is in, in that. Yeah. Well, she's orig- she originated the role in the stage version. Yeah, I mean. I think you're thinking of Adele Dazeen. I think <laughs> that's we'll never get old. Um, See, but even that, like, how how many Oscars ago was that? Yes, thing, yeah, right? no, for real, for real though. Like, how many? Like, that was like that had to have been the 2015 Oscars. Yeah, right? you know what's also good like, about this is like people. Th- this is uh, this Oscars. is almost like also another good preview of what us doing any type of podcast will be going forward. Like it'll it will be more of this. I mean, that's again. It'll definitely be. Will as much as you don't believe it, it's what the people want. Um, but anyway, so like, so like, skipping a little bit ahead, like you know, especially those early days, like you know, I I I don't know if we've ever brought up the fact that you and I like dipped our toe into the recording and the podcasts mm-hmm. a, a little bit with a yes. with a little. Uh, not known podcast called Palcast, which was um, you know, us just kind of basically doing this. Like we we kind of had like very much like you know we were talking about like movies and um, you know, uh, just different nerd stuff that we wanted to talk about, and um, 
and then I mean I, I mean but and also like those are always fun to listen to because I remember I think the biggest thing on that like we did a lot of stuff like you know we yelled about Amazing Spider-Man two I, I believe mean, on there that's the uh, that is yeah. the one episode that I wish like we could like release still because that was my pure raw reaction mm-hmm. to Amazing Spider-Man two and that was that was so much fun to like just. I, I think my favorite one out of those, because that was, because my thing was like, I've always wanted to do some sort of podcasting. Like I just kind of always enjoyed listening to them and I, I just yeah. have like fun, just like. You, you were know, like an uh, early adapter of podcasts, at least like you're one of the earliest people that I knew that like. Was maybe in our circles, definitely. Yeah. Because well, I think you also like, because you were in that Kevin Smith circle. So like he was also very much like one of the early major like podcast people. Like that he, he did yes, a lot of yeah, stuff with, yeah. with his stuff on his website and stuff like that. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I've always, I've always, and it was just kind of like easy to do. I, I, I don't really make any like, you know, kind of statement that it's like, oh, like I was, uh, you know, I was really, I was one of the little tiny pioneers. Like not, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just, no, yeah, no. I'm just, it, it was something I was, and, but what's always, what's fun about that one is like, that was like super like, bare bones like we didn't like i don't even think we had maybe a mic if we had one yeah and it was definitely well, we were, like we were uh, posting them on tumblr yes yeah we like, had we didn't no even have, like we didn't even have a host we just put the episodes n- up on yeah tumblr. We, we were or we and then i there was another way we were doing it and because it's like we just didn't have we really didn't have money so it was like so there was that um uh which is funny because now there's probably like i think there's way more options to it i mean even like the soundcloud thing really wasn't uh no. like a viable thing that it, it that it can be now but um i mean you know we shouldn't really talk about like you know we're like one of like the we're, we're like a tent pole in podcasting we're just doing to this some for people fun. we are um but uh i think my favorite one out of all those was the um we were it was the big the whole Batman v Superman and Captain America Civil War were coming out like on the same day. Remember, there was a time or, or the original, when that yes, was the original release where they were going to come out on the same weekend. Yeah, yeah. And then I just remember, like, I, I believe I can't remember exactly how I said it, but I said something to the degree of like, "There's absolutely no way that Batman v Superman makes less money than Captain America Civil War," and. It was like I was on I was on the other side, by the way. Yeah, no, I was but, on the but side. what made it funny was like just how definitive, and it wasn't even like because you know I, I'm I'm a Marvel zombie, so I was looking forward to Captain America: Civil War. It was just kind of like it, it was like something along those lines that is one of those like, and that's kind of what's great about podcasting. And sometimes it's fun to even go back and listen to Bonzilla old Bonzilla episodes. That it is kind of fun to have a record of what you said. I know we kind of live in a society where that's actually not the case, where it's actually that prospect is less fun than it should be. But I find that for myself and like, you know, having almost like a time capsule of like your opinions is is hysterical. Yeah, and I would agree. I mean, I also think it's like, it's easier when you're like nice people like we are, like that we're not really saying really bad shit on this podcast. I think there's some stuff where you go back, you know, it's like, mm, that's not, maybe not, wasn't the best way to put that, but 
Uh, it's not like we've, we, it's not like we've really done anything too bad. Well, I, mean, I, but I, I actually, I mean, you know, sometimes, I mean, I don't know. Sometimes you're going to say stupid things, but you know, you know, we don't say anything that bad, but there, I do find like, I actually kind of love going back and listening to an opinion that I'm like, who is this person? I agree though. Like, th- like a hundred percent. And like, it was, just, or it's just like, you just realize like your opinion on like this subject is so different than mm-hmm. than how you looked at it now oh yeah yeah we definitely had some on podcasts where i feel like we would we would have been changing our tune years later yeah or at least like there like we or like there's kind of like a a slight difference in like how like you know you may approach the subject or whatever but it it, it, it was it, it's all that is always that is always funny uh to me because then i went on to record like other like you know other podcasts with other friends um i did a podcast called the upside fans uh with a friend of mine which you can still hear plugs for in our early episodes <laughs> can you really uh, I, yeah you you used to plug them on the on the end of uh early bonzilla episodes you would plug like you can find me on upside fans and your other best podcast ever no, I was not doing those when we started Bonzilla. Were you not? No, I don't think so. No, you you absolutely were. You absolutely were because you you between gold the Goldfinger and Thunderball episodes, you went home for a little bit, and that's when I guest hosted all those. We did episodes while uh, Guardians Two was coming out. Will? Yeah, but we weren't doing Bonzilla. Yes, we were. No, that doesn't make no. I don't. I don't think so. One hundred percent. Will, what year did Guardians Two come out? That's a good question. <laughs> twenty seventeen, right? Twenty seventeen, and I remember this specifically because for twenty seventeen, I recorded an episode with that co-host Rob about superhero families. And yeah, we no, I re- I remember talk- I remember that time when I had to yeah because I I remember that that you you co-hosted with that I, i'm going back and, and looking at um because we me and rob did fantastic four for the guardians week so off, what off were the, we doing with bonzilla at the time we were just taking a break because you were out of town there's a big gap up episodes. I, I i honestly this again this is kind of getting back to why we're talking about this this is complete there was an overlap in podcasts i was doing that i'm i'm completely blanking on Yes. Like, I, I don't remember this at all. I remember the podcast, but I don't remember this timeline of no, them, uh, of them the crossing timeline, over. Will, I'm telling you. This are is you sure? Are, you, are we not crossing some streams here? I'm not crossing the streams. I remember this period very vividly. I remember this period extremely vividly. No, it had to have been. You were still doing Upsides fans because I called in from D23 Expo 2017. Okay, but all these are examples of you talking about the um, – you talking about – you know what's honestly is, is funny about this? And, and, and obviously my work life was different at the time, but I, I'm just thinking about like what my workload is sometimes now. And maybe I just can't wrap my head around that I was doing that many – podcasts at the same time well i got there was another podcast i was doing that was kind of more of the inspiration for this one which was called house elves and ewoks and uh, that was with another friend of ours where we talked about in a very that that was more of 
a, a little bit more targeted, like two different um, expertise were coming together. Or I was a Star Wars person, and our friend, she was the um, Harry Potter person. And uh, uh, there were some similarities to this podcast where each episode alternated between the franchises, but it was a little bit more of like, like I know... I, I know right. all the deep dive information about Star Wars. You know all the deep dive information about Harry Potter, and we're both kind of fans of it. So it was kind of like us teaching. And it also wasn't. It. it wasn't like each episode was a movie. It was like each episode was a topic. Right. You know, it was right. Just a very different topic within. Because I also guest hosted that podcast mm-hmm. once. Um. Yeah, but but so because also that was definitely I don't know like I I. I maybe this is just me being critical of myself, but that is, and maybe it's just the subject matter dealt with it too. But sometimes like I listen to those shows and I'm like, what a young man I was <laughs> like, just so youthful and full of energy. And like, and maybe it was because it was a platform that kind of let, you know, you're kind of, it, 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 it basically um, allowed you to be a shitster. Like, you know, you could, like, you know, kind of roast. It, it, it was a little bit of a roasting podcast, too. Like, you know, yeah. you, you like, we, we, we would roast each other a bit. But, mm-hmm. like, sometimes, and then I just think about my mindset now, as much as I love doing these, it's just, like, I'm, like, oh, my God. Like, this old, this, this previous version of me from three years ago tires me out. <laughs> oh, I, I know that feeling. I don't have those. Which is not good because I'm not old. (laughs) Like I I think about like sort of like early college self to now and it's like, oh man, like I couldn't hang out with my early college self. I could. I could have hang out with my well you you mean you you would have definitely I mean, you still had the stripe back then, Will. Yeah. Yeah. I had a I had a hair stripe. I don't now, for those of you who are who are curious about it. But um but uh, yeah, so that but that's crazy. Like uh, maybe I just can't wrap my head around like me doing all the multiple podcasts at a time. But I guess there was a time when I was doing that. There definitely was. That's insane. That's crazy. It is, and it's not really insane. crazy because a lot of people do a lot of other hard work that's harder than that, both in podcasting and outside of podcasting. And it I is. didn't get paid for any of it, so no, I guess not at I all. shouldn't complain. We did not get any blue chew sponsorships. Blue what? Blue chew. Blue chew. Blue chew. What's blue chew? It's don't roll your eyes at. What do you mean? I just don't know what it is. No, it's just, uh, now I have to explain it. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry that you have to explain it. It's basically Viagra. Oh, okay. Yeah, and but it, it there a lot of other podcasts are sponsored by Blue Chew. Really, and they make all these like erection jokes. Oh, a I lot think. of the, a lot of other ones I listen to. Mm. I mean, I don't use Blue Chew, but you know, or MeUndies. Okay, if you want to go to the MeUndies, yeah. I see, I know MeUndies. Yeah, Omaha Steaks. Omaha we didn't Steaks. Get the Omaha Steaks. Right. Uh, what, what's the other one? Uh, what's the mattress one? Purple. Purple. No, I thought it was another one. Um, MeUndies is the one I'm most familiar with. Remember when Loot Crate was a thing? Loot uh, Crate yeah, was in everything. Yes. Well, that's like a whole situation in and of itself. Um, yeah. I'm sure. I mean, basically, it's just like, they, this, especially like end of 2019 into 2020, like Loot Crate was just falling apart. 
And so there's very like, you know, they used to be loot crates, everything. And now it's like they, you know, it's just like our now it's people are like, are they worth your money or like, you know, certain ones like I think like the Ninja Turtle loot crate is still really good. And like there's a couple of wrestling ones that are still good. But, you know, some of the other really other niche ones have kind of lowered in quality. Mm. All right. But anyways, um, you know. But, but then, what, so so that goes in. So what was the actual thing? Because I remember that the 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 House Elves and Ewoks podcast was at least like the seed of just the the core concept of two different franchises that you put under one umbrella. And I know that I specifically had the thought about it being like you know Godzilla being a very long running franchise but i i don't like if do you recall could, what like the, yes. the thing was you... obviously we and 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 obviously we've talked about our growing appreciation for the franchises um you know as fans because you know i was in the later half of school um really getting back into the Godzilla world and then James Bond movies were coming out so it was kind of already in the in the in the air. Well, I can tell you specifically from my end. One was I really was jealous that I wasn't doing a podcast with you. That was like the number one thing that you had two podcasts going and I wasn't involved and I was living with you. <laughs> so I thought that we could do something. But the very specific inspiration was that your upside fans co-host Rob made you watch Man with the Golden Gun. Right, and then right, right, right. you you told me your reaction specifically. It was your and you said this in the episode as well, but your whole rant about the giant gun not being an actual golden gun, like you were just so <laughs> upset that Scaramanga's big gun at the end was not a giant golden gun, and I was like, we have to record this, and then I and then it got got me to thinking that way, kind of similar to your path, where I was thinking, well. Bond has a lot of ep- like Bond has a lot of movies and I know Godzilla has a lot of movies and I still really you know I'd been living with you for a while at that point and I knew obviously very well of your Godzilla fandom but I still really hadn't seen any other ones other than the ones that you showed me in college in 2014 which also came out right at the end of college mm. and it was just something that was very interested in in discussing and learning about. And I thought it would be fascinating because I had been through the bond franchise, but it was also something where I'd never like actually like really watched it kind of in order for that kind of purpose. I'd seen them all and I'd seen them all in, in kind of bits and pieces and, 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 or over time. And I just thought that it would be very fun to match up those two and figure out like what their similarities are in terms of their histories and how they affected cinema. And especially because they like, you know, both go through so many decades and i just thought that would be a very fascinating um fascinating thing to go through so that's why i was i was kind of kept i kept saying like we should make this the podcast and then yeah i I remember for me the 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 big reason because i think it's well documented the kind of the mission statement for the podcast is that it was two long-running franchises and we wanted to kind of get into get into them and celebrate them. But like the other kind of personal reason for me was like so I was doing this other podcast that was called The Upside Fans and then one of the things that we did was that you know kind of um it, it really started off as like you know we were kind of 
being generally more, uh, you know, positive, uh, you know, fans. And, you know, it, it was very much like maybe not blindly positive, but more of like a celebration of just kind of like, oh, we want to have fun just talking about what we talk about, which is, you know, it's a very thin line from just us shooting the shit, which is really all it was. Like the inspiration for it was this my this buddy of mine um we got together almost every week um because there was a time when you can do that um you can go to a place and you know get together in in person and and uh have a uh, have a slice with them um and uh now it's it's a it's a virtual slice like i wonder if you can do that i wonder if you can like order just one two slices of pizza and then, or like four slices, and then like send it to your other buddy. And then you just get on Zoom, and you have like a when you have you're a background for the delivery fee. Yeah. Um. But uh. It, but then we also had a segment at the end of of each um uh, at the end of every episode uh where we basically the like the idea was like we either took something that wasn't like highly regarded and we either celebrated it because we liked it or we found something that was good in it and um and admittedly like and and, and that's why that podcast was a big learning experience for me because it, it ultimately I, I i felt did turn into more of just like you know us discussing and you know just talking about whatever we wanted to talk about and and i enjoyed it for that are you and, not going to tell them the name of the segment because that's the best part oh the the fandom menace Yes. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Is great. And I did. I was able. I was luckily able to do a really couple of really good fandom menaces. I yeah. Because very... if we had guests on, then they could choose one. Which were which were some of the ones that you you did? Well, uh, I remember we did. Um, uh, we well, the one I remember most was we we did the 2004 Fantastic Four movie which was really fun to revisit because that's the first movie I ever thought was bad. Yeah, that was actually uh, the one I think I was jealous that I wasn't there for because that um, would have been a fun one to do. We, Because also during the run that I had, um, me and your co-host, Rob, we'll shout him out, um, we, we somehow got into a very, we got into a fascination with Brendan Fraser. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh-huh, yeah. So, so we ended up watching Monkey Bone. Which was an incredibly, incredibly weird movie. Um, towards the end, we were actually able to get you on because you called in. And did you guys we did, do Monkey Bone? We did do Monkey Bone. Yes. Huh. Interesting. Were, we, I think did, I may have uh, missed that one. We did. Uh, I also had a lot of fun discussing the 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 uh, 2014 Ghostbusters with you and Rob. We did that one together, and you were on. I the don't phone. remember that one either. Um, I think I was checked out of those. <laughs> to and be honest. I got to I got to defend John Carter. That was a lot of fun. I did a couple really good ones. Yeah, yeah. No, those those, those were fun. And then that that was a, a a fun show for me because, you know, it it was just a it was just a big learning experience. Mostly there there was a workload learning experience with it. We did it every week, and. Um, you know, and, and and then there there were fun. Some of the some of the best ones, honestly, are the the later ones. Because well, at first, like it wouldn't like at first when you started them, it would be like you guys would just pick one and you would just describe it to the other person, and then you started to uh, watch like, the movies. Yeah, watch movies together. Oh, that reminds me of another one because infamously, Rob has very distinct opinions on ghosts. 
So we did a whole episode right, on yeah. ghosts. He, 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 then, if I remember correctly, he doesn't like that they wear clothes. Right. Like, he just doesn't believe in them, but, like, one of the things is they wear clothes. So yeah. he and I watched Casper together, which was a lot of fun. I right, had a lot of yeah. that one. I, um... But some of those, some of those older, some of those later ones are really funny. I mean, there's a there's a couple where we get into some like real debates mm-hmm. at towards the end. Yeah, and I actually felt bad because like soon after that, we just kind of brought it to the, the the show to a close, and I wanted everybody to know that it had nothing to do with that. Like I didn't want. I was so. Uh, self-conscious that I didn't want to make it seem like, oh, now we're not getting along. Because I actually look at some of those episodes and those were some of like the mo- most rewarding types of conversations that we ultimately ended up having. Yeah. And and ultimately, maybe I think, it, it, like in retrospect, maybe it was for a different format of show, definitely. But I do remember going back and like, I mean, these were debates about, like, the MPAA, because, like, you know, both, like, you know, uh, my buddy Rob, he had, like, um, very um, passionate and, um, and not and not invalid opinions of it. I, I thought, like, you know, th- these were good conversations to have, but, like, you know, they, they, these were passionate debates that we were having, and I had a lot of fun doing them, but I felt bad because soon after, the, the thing for me was, like, you know, we went on to go work on some per- some other projects, and you know, we had just done it for a while, so it was kind of like, all right, let's move on and to other creative uh, v- ventures. And um, but I was so paranoid that I didn't want anybody who was listening to think like, oh, now we're starting to yell at each other, so we don't like each other anymore. So now I'm calling the quits. <laughs> I just didn't. I didn't want it to be seem that way because that's definitely not what it was. Um, but the other thing that I did want to do that kind of made me hop into wanting to do Bonzilla was that I definitely enjoyed just talking about movies and just like shooting the shit like that. But I think you also know that I, I got a little bit of a hunger for, I really want to dive deep into movies. Like I really want to analyze, like, you know, I really want to get into the, the, the themes of, especially of these um, more populist, because I'm a big, like, I love exploring popular entertainment and, like, advocating for a lot of them being, like, deeper than they actually, than, than they get the credit for. And um, and as we talked about this idea of Bond and Godzilla, um, and as, because for me it was like I was getting really back into Godzilla a lot, it, it just seemed like the perfect opportunity for that, for, for me. And, 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 and and I think that as you look back on this show, um, that I hope that um, that I was able to bring that aspect to to the show. Yeah, and it was also for me. I mean, I I, I definitely had a couple other influences on my end as well. Um, one was that that desire to do something deeper, especially because even early on when I, I and, and some of this, I didn't get to go through all of it, but for some of the stuff, when I started just doing the base research and kind of re-looking at the movies and like remembering like not only the crazy stuff that happens in them, but kind of, you know, the behind the scenes stuff that became such a big part of our show is discussing kind of the development of these movies. And I was very interested in that side of it too, to not just revisit the movies, but I knew that Bond had some really good production stories. And like, you know, I could only assume Godzilla had some with just the way that those movies were made. So I was very interested in that, in, in especially because 
um, one of the other podcasts that I like the main podcast I was listening to at that point um, was and uh, people on the who listen know that I kind of have a, a somewhat casual fit wrestling fandom like I'm not too deep into it but I kind of follow it but there is this podcast I listen to called the Attitude Era podcast which was a podcast by three uh, European people who, who are great and it's a one of my still one of my favorite podcasts to this day but they go they went through the Attitude Era of Wrestling, which was basically like 1998 to 2001. And they went through every single pay-per-view that the World Wrestling Federation did. And what I found so fascinating about those episodes was what they kind of remembered and kind of the history that they know and kind of seeing like, oh, this, I don't remember this being as good. I don't remember this being as bad Mm -hmm. and sort of that history element of it. And I was very interested in going through these franchises and kind of really figuring out how they hold up and and what they kind of what they say to us in this day and age especially because they're so long running where like you know those 60s bonds and 60s godzillas are so different from those 90s bonds and 90s godzillas but how are they the same how do they continue that legacy and that was always something i was so fascinated by and wanted to do uh on this podcast and it was also you know, a creative outlet, I mm-hmm. think, was well, just it, a way to get some creative energy out there. And speaking, like, you know, kind of going back to that, like, oh, you're always, like, changing and, and, and everything like that. Because, you know, with, you know, there was a distinct shift for me, um, like, within, like, right as we got, like, again, like, I think the Bonzilla podcast was the first outlet for me to do this. But there was, like, a major shift into, like, I really want to focus on really analytically looking at, like, these these films. And it wasn't that long ago that I did a rewatch of, of all the bon- of all the, the Godzilla movies that were out at the time. Right, you did it right before 2014. Right. So, so just in that time, my perspective of how I looked at the movies completely changed and it's just the way i was watching the movies what i appreciated about the movies just within like a one to two year time span was completely different like so like i had a completely different top 10 for instance that Mm -hmm. than i than i had before and 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 it's funny because and then like recently we went back and did commentaries for dr no and godzilla and um, now I'm kind of at the stage where it's like I, my my opinions and the way I approach them are are kind of have have leveled out. Like I kind of know exactly how I'm approaching these movies. But even with going back and watching like the 1954 Godzilla again, like I still am like kind of like you know always approaching it. You know, um, uh, not from a different angle, but um, you know, you from a you know, with just some time passed in between. So, like, you know, when before all this started, I was not the biggest fan of 1954. 1954 was the film that started it all, so I kind of gave it the props for that. But I was like, no, I like the Versus era, like, in the Hasey era, that's my definitive Godzilla, and that is what Godzilla is, and that's that's my that's my taste. And then as we went into the podcast, it's like, oh, no, like 1954 is actually great. And we've talked a lot about it. And then actually kind of going back and rewatching for the commentary, it is one of the things where it's like not only what I consider it to be kind of like a masterpiece of its subgenre, but also like, you know, you don't even call it like I wouldn't even call it like just a monster movie like you know i would call it like you know kind of like a monster tragedy like it, you know the fact that 
I could distinctly point out and attribute all the storytelling elements of a tragedy to that film in thematic ways. And so, you know, that has kind of been like the rewarding thing about doing the show from, from my perspective. Mm -hmm. And, and again, like, uh, and I want to talk about this again a little bit more when we start talking about franchises, but even for me, like going into the podcast, you know, I was very much like Connery's the best and I kind of really, you know, I knew the more films, but I didn't have that familiar, feel familiarity with them um, uh, as much as I do now. Like, and now I'm a big fan of the more films. But back then I was kind of like still on that edge of like, well, more is good, but he's, you know, he's too silly, blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah. And, and again, like you kind of get caught up sometimes even in the discussion around the movies, you know, like I always got caught up in like the best Bond discussions and how people talked about more and. Um, hey, when we started you know, the show, just... when we started the show, I said that Skyfall was the shit. Yeah, and oh yeah, we, if you listen we to that episode, to that... it is definitely that is not what I said when we when we eventually rewatched. The oh, movie. we were we were both like okay, you know, we were both you know we both kind of agreed that we were kind of mixed on the Craig era, but we both went into the podcast going in and being like, and even I had a very much a higher opinion of Spectre before we got to Spectre. Um, which also has to do with some of my thoughts on how my thoughts on Blofeld has changed over the course of the podcast. But there is just so many, and there's so many films that I got to rediscover. And I think you had that experience as mm. well. Just films that, oh man, I don't remember this being like as good, or of course I don't remember this being as bad. We both had those experiences uh, over the course of the podcast. Yeah, definitely. Well, I do want to kind of get into some of the more substantial things about the podcast, but there is one thing I, I do think that I actually think it, it's pretty it's pretty appropriate that we talk about this in this. Yeah. And it is the final edition in terms of the Bonzilla podcast of what is going on with movie theaters. <laughs> because a whole hellstorm because I feel uh, yeah, like we between, always, like, I feel like we st- always talk about it, and then some other piece of information comes out. But then we had like the biggest piece of information come out. Now that we've decided not to talk about it for a while, and I think that this is the best way to kind of conclude this unofficial subtopic of the podcast. Um, yeah. the twenty twenty. 2020- Subtopic, like this is a been a very big definitive part of of our year this year. Uh, yeah, where, yeah, you know, and and even again, that, like, to... and, and even that, when you go think about it, like you know, I believe a I believe a convert, I believe a statement I had back in like March or April was that if we're not going to theaters by October, then we got much bigger problems to worry about. And <laughs> you're not wrong. And yeah, and I mean, maybe, and yeah, I'm not completely wrong. Maybe even the implications of that statement are the whole situation is just complicated. So, but yeah. it, I, I'm not completely, you're right. I'm not, I wasn't completely wrong. Right. It, it, it's just like, yeah. even like, and, and, and not even to say like, you know, cause I, I think we've been well documented that we're not, we, um, you know, I, I'm not. I don't want to get into like, oh, give us a cookie for being responsible because I hate when people do that. But you know, we, we uh, you know, our our feelings on you know what's been going on have been documented. Um, but it yeah. is one of those things where you know, even if you go back and listen to the, the those types of those shows earlier in the year, 
like not only is it funny to pair where we are now to what we were saying, but I'm sure just in our personal lives of like how exactly we feel about everything going on is um there's there's definitely been shifts. Yeah, there there there's definitely been shifts. We've been right and wrong about a bunch of different stuff like, you know, the whole movie theater thing, you know, there's been predictions I've made um that, you know, have kind of come true and have not come true and it it's definitely been a roller coaster for sure. But the biggest one yeah. was you know, the fact that, you know, the movies were 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 getting pushed off. Um I don't want to speak for you, but there there was like a thing that at the time like and maybe I didn't really wrap my head around it, but it is funny to think that Okay, let's put it this way. By the end of the year, there were, and maybe it was just me being hopeful, but I thought like by the end of the year it would be like the chance that like we would be going back to the theater. Like I just kind of right. thought that was if I that was we, my I guess. I think a lot of us did think that though. We I mean I would have put my pegs on that too, especially in March. Maybe not in July, but maybe in March. But even July you, I was uh, like, uh, but you speaking know, of like this year. I, 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 does this year, but it's funny because despite that, and it has been, it, it's going on like a year. So like, I mean, and it is, there, it is substantial and meaningful, but at the same time, it kind of flew by. <laughs> I don't know for you, but for me, I'm like, I will tell oh you- man, that's weird that like in March, all the shit was going down and now we're here and it's kind of like, just kind of strange. I will tell you that like March I will say that March to kind of maybe end of May kind of dragged, and then June through now have just flown flown by. Right. Flown by. Well, the only thing I'll talk about in terms of world events, and listen, like, the world events are the level of, of bad that is appropriate to say so. So I'm not, in, in no way am I trying to diminish anything. But I will say that at the time, like, because the podcast kind of became like that fun thing that we could still do. And then there was a bit of us that we hopefully were saying like, okay, maybe this is something that, you know, you're able to do and people can get enjoyment out of because everybody's going to be home. It's going to be a little tough. So we get it. So we wanted to do that. And and we'll talk about this too. I want to kind of reflect on the years of the podcast a little bit more. But even this year, because we were were kind of expanding from just doing the canons now. Right, right. That kind of was fun because we got the really kind of flip what we were doing every month but and kind of have some fun. What I was going to say is let's be real and I don't know about you, but what's funny about and again I use that term lightly, but what what's interesting about this year was like there was a time in which like for all intents and purposes the world was just ending. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like like or yeah. like society was just coming to a complete crash and like and, mm-hmm. and listen, this is not to like diminish any of the legitimate issues and the problems that are going on right now. But it is funny because now we kind of are in this stage where it's just kind of like it is like a strange, weird time. But like there was a time when it was like literally like like you know what I mean? Like it, it was it was weird. It was scary. It it was scary for a little bit. And now yeah, it's it was, just kind it was of really kind strange. of again it was kind of really an unknown about everything mm. just about everything and then even like once we get like things kind of settle and you just kind of have more of a direction of just like how you view stuff but like 
there was that time in March and April where you just like you didn't know what the future actually held and what was actually going to happen. It's just, and I think the part about like the theaters was just like maybe that that was a little bit of like, well, there's just no way that we're going to get to October, and there's not going to be any like movies coming out. I mean, I also thought that there was no way that we were going to get like a few months in, and then you know. Certain people were just gonna not let other people have jobs, <laughs> so I won't get too far into that. So there's a lot of what I'm saying. Like there's a lot of like, uh, I guess I assumed a lot of things <laughs> were were yeah. gonna happen a certain way, and they were well, not. <laughs> you, you just will. Just you and Christopher Nolan had similar thoughts. Yes, yeah, and, and so that's actually a good segue into the big kind of like news that was happening. And it's funny because as much Nolan as Nolan likes the Fast and the Furious franchise, that's the big news. That that was funny, but as, that's also funny because as somebody we were joking about Christopher Nolan a lot. I I don't know, like with some of this news, you kind of look at that situation a little bit differently too. I yeah, think you do. I mean, I don't know about you. Well, the, the big but... stuff we were talking about is this is the Warner stuff. I mean, yeah. that's really what we. What I don't you know, want but to but to up. be fair, I I was it was more of just like a funny kind of strange thing. I was never I I'm not on team like I don't get mad at Christopher Nolan for wanting a movie to come out. Like it, it's just there's just something about it where I I just don't have the same kind type of moral objection to it that other people do. Mm-hmm. It was just kind of like like just like dumb. Like to me, I, yeah. I, it was just kind of like it was also weird because in it was like, like I didn't have the moral objection like, okay, well you're gonna put out a movie and then everybody's gonna like rush out to the movies and that's irresponsible because and then and I always thought that was dumb because of exactly what happened. It's just nobody went to go see it or it was like well, and that's you, you what could we, or you that's couldn't what we go see thought. it. Like, yeah. I mean, that's- that's so, even what I thought. I mean, I, I again, I was just basing my, my experience on the Disney World thing. We're like, now that, again, they haven't had any, you know, cases directly linked to them or, or, like, whatever. But people are going now that it's been open and seemingly nothing's happened. Whereas, like, those first couple weeks at Disney, nobody was there because nobody knew what the actual stuff was going to be. And it's the same thing with movie theaters. Like, I assume that any any movie – I think I actually said this on the podcast – that any movie that did come out in, like – August or whatever when they were first trying to get movies out was going to be kind of a sacrificial lamb to see like what the deal was yeah, and like those first yeah. couple movies were just were not going to do well they weren't um and it ten, was just weird because it was like it, it was like the Nolan movie so that that's what made it well strange. I think it, it it really was the fact that it was kind of an actual tentpole release like I would have thought that you know they would have tested the waters with other stuff but the fact that and I think it was also the fact that like everything else was not happily, but everything else was studios were kind of good with pushing stuff and kind of figuring out and some stuff going on streaming and whatever. But like the, it was just the, the stubbornness of like this movie has to be in theaters, which I think was the funny part of mm, it. Yeah. Yeah. So like uh, that comes down to the news that basically just to get right to it is that Warner brothers announced that they are doing a, uh, a simultaneously in theater and streaming release on HBO max of, pretty much all of their major movie slate for the next year. Yeah. Um and this was followed up by a whole hellstorm of filmmakers including uh Christopher Nolan and Denis Villeneuve and um 
and uh, you know possible lawsuits from um, and like the, from companies the such as like, Legendary. Right, that Warner Warners might have not told anybody they were making this announcement. Oh, I think it, and, I think it's pretty documented now that they just did not tell anybody about it. Right. Well, I mean, at the time, like, like that was kind of the news. Yeah. Right? That was kind of coming up. And, so, so that's like and, the big and, thing. It's like, so basically, what's going to happen is like everything will still technically be in theaters or released in theaters, but on the same day, they're also going to be released on HBO Max. And at first, so that seems because wasn't it like it's only on HBO Max for like two months, at least guaranteed to start with? Wait, what? That's what, what I read. What, what was that? I thought it was like it's like in theaters, and then the move like like Godzilla versus Kong or Matrix Four will be on HBO Max for sixty days, and then after that, there's like no guarantee that it'll actually be on the service. Um, I didn't read that, um, so I'm not saying you're wrong. I just don't remember that part. But the, regardless, the big thing is like it's being released on the service and in the theaters on the same day, which is the, yes, which is the the big news the big the big issue yeah. yeah um so i mean as far as it concerns for us that that is the definitive answer for right at least what's happening with kong or godzilla Warners. versus kong like it's coming out yeah because well, it's, it's interesting because i guess like the other thing is it's like that warner's made that big here's like here's my thing is that when warner made that big thing then you know we had the Disney investor thing not too long after that. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't think like even I, who's, you know, in the Disney know, didn't think we were going to get like as much as they announced for that Disney investor thing, because they kept calling it an investor thing. And usually the investor thing is all, all about money, which the first half was, but regardless, I was like, Oh, I wonder, you know, if, if Disney have the response, like, will they have stuff to put on black widow? And then right at the beginning of that meeting, they talked about that Ray and the last dragon is going to do kind of the similar thing. And I was like, oh, here we go. And then Disney was basically like, no, the rest of our movies were committing to putting out in theaters. And basically Warner's is the only thing right now that that seems like they're, you know, committing to that thing. And it's also like, again, this stuff has changed so much that until one of those movies happens that way, you know, we, we just don't know. And it's also like what actually will be the status of theaters next year and like, you know, with a, again the vaccine kind of starting to get distributed, and and how that how that goes, and and how long it takes for that to get fully like, you know, things are going to be very different between a, now and a year from now, and like when we get to October, November, December of next year, will so yeah, you know, but the, so it, that's like uh, but that's like the big difference. I mean, one of the things that's interesting to me is like studios have been now more so than ever more comfortable than that saying at saying, okay, like we are going to be releasing in theaters like eventually like that will yeah. happen well even in the, in the disney like, I... the disney thing is interesting too because i mean the disney thing it's funny because the one of the things that a lot of people have been speculating about warners is like they were the one studio that just did not put it in the cards that they were going to be delaying movies like disney did that paramount that like a bunch of other studios just delayed movies whereas warner brothers was like the one where they were like well no we're gonna like kind of stick to dates kind of well yeah um, and it's also like i mean warner's also was the one doing tenant and like they also were the one really that got burned at the box office right even like this like even disney and new mutants they like they they went that out the slaughter because they knew that wasn't really gonna you know but th but the other thing about th that wasn't on their slate anyway where it's like they yeah. warner's was the one that had that bad theater experience 
Islands, where where Tenet got destroyed. Um, but I, I do want to I know, do want to acknowledge the one thing about Disney though is like, and this was part of that Investors Day thing is that they also do have a lineup and a slate where half of their content is streaming content. So they are right, already they're, they're, set up for okay, like they will just play the theater thing by ear. It's fine because half of their content is just going to be streaming anyway. So there's no really right, they, reason for them. There's no incentive for them just to like like abandon the theater thing. Right. There there's more of a discussion of just like is this more proof that HBO Max kind of got rushed um whereas like Disney kind of really when you look at like what Disney Plus has done, they've really planned out the like the streaming thing and they kind of had a lot of this really in 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 the works already even what we saw at D23 Expo last year in terms of their Disney Plus announcements where there's some regard for the fact that like kind of HBO Max and even Peacock were kind of really quick responses to Disney doing the Disney Plus thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that there's there's some discussion about how that decision to kind of try to do the simultaneous theaters thing is also HBO Max trying to really get their, yeah. you know, their user base kind of still set up for them. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting. I mean, you know, the legal stuff is going to be what the legal stuff is, though. I mean, I yeah, under, I that's understand. really going to be the factor going forward and seeing. Yeah, what I mean, and that. and I also get it because like there is the contingent of people. I tend to like listen. I it, this is what they need to do, or this is what they feel like they need to do. It, it, if I'm just talking about the actual decision, I mean, obviously, the. You know, they probably should have got all they not even probably they should have got all their ducks in a row with the creatives before doing this. I think, yeah, that's at um, the, the very least. Yeah, I I simultaneously think it's a it's a forced rush decision because of the times that we're we're in, um, while also understanding that if this is this just is the business model that they're just picking up. Um, yeah. I do think that there is a little bit, I, I tend to side with being a little bit more critical for the people who just think that this should happen, like, like blindly, like the, like, yeah. I, I'm a little, I'm, I'm always very critical. L- listen, I may be biased because I don't want, you know, theaters to die. And I'm not saying that is what's going to happen. Um, obviously there's going to be shifts in that, but I'm a little, I'm always very defensive of the people and honestly, this kind of like you know, with you know, kind of gets into just how people have been acting this year in general. But like, just people just very brazenly and casually just being like, "Oh yeah, well, you know, if you can't go to theaters, just like get rid of them and just give give us our movies at home." Then, like, I I I tend to fight back against that a little bit, like yeah. to like it, it's just kind of like it it because I'm like you know it, just delay the movie. Yeah, but then like everybody kind of has this attitude. It's like, well, no, just give me the movie. I'm like, well, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> like, not everybody, but there's not a, there's everybody, a but there, there's a contingent of people where I, I just I, I get very weird that like, well, you're not owed the movie just because they can. No. Like, it's just like you know, I, it, my whole thing. It's like, okay, if you're asking for all the movies to get like you know delayed or for let's say, you know, what a lot of people say, if you want like everything to be as safe as possible, I completely agree with that. But that also doesn't mean like okay, well then you're the sacrifice to that is then the movie gets delayed. But there's some people who are like, yeah. well, no, you give me the movie. Well, like, well, no, you can't have it both ways. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. That that's kind of. I mean, again, it's just yeah. 
we we've the one thing we've always said is the situation is still fluid in some respect even now oh yeah you that- you never know like next year they could turn around and just being like okay it's going to be in theaters now for a month before it comes to HBO Max they could completely exactly. yeah. change it again especially again if like the again they're like uh, hoping everything goes well with vaccination and and like kind of that's element of it if by like let's just say by August yeah. that you know things have kind of really calmed down, then what's to stop them and thing like, oh, well, Dune is actually going to be, you know, theatrical exclusive at the end of the year. Like, we don't know. And the, the situation will continue to shift and, and until they actually release. And until there's an actual, until it's out, it's out when it's out. Mm-hmm. That's at this point. Whenever it comes out, that's when it's out. That's as much as, you know, we can kind of really say at this point. What I will say, though, it is weird. Like there there is the distinct and it and it's a majority of a possibility. Like it's most likely that this will happen, that I will be seeing uh Godzilla versus Kong at home. Like that's just yeah. how it is. Because as much like admittedly and, and I'm not blind to it, like I understand that like you know, if you if you know you're deciding that you're not going to go to a theater, I think that's completely fine and completely valid. I mean, it does come at the cost of. I mean, you just have to be honest about the cost. Like, and the cost is like, you know, the theaters are going to hurt about it. So, I'm not saying it's impossible, but how it stands now is like I'm probably going to be seeing this at home. So, yeah. with that was, out of the, when I, well, I'll make that decision when that time. comes. No, sure, and you never season. know. So with that said, that is kind of an interesting, strange feeling. Like it's like, oh, like you know, you're, we're gonna watch. But I, all I can tell you is like, if that happens that way, my neighbors are gonna hate me so much because it's just gonna be <laughs> my my apartment's gonna be rumbling. Like you don't understand, Nick. If I have to watch it at home, it's gonna be at the loudest volume it can possibly be. Like hundred percent. I, I, I'm I may even buy a subwoofer for it. I'm gonna get like I'm gonna I'm gonna treat myself. I'm gonna get like the best meal. The like oh, it's gonna be great. It, it, it's gonna be awesome. At least for me. Yeah, I mean, and again, it's like, and also it's like you know, right now there's still the commitment for No Time to Die to be theatrical, and obviously we won't know right, that right, until it right. comes to the same same thing. It's like until we actually kind of have some sort of semblance of like, again, what happens within the next three or four months, we just don't know. So, uh, but once again, don't forget, we will get you those reviews. However, those movies come to us, we will get you those reviews at some point. So, Nick, let's talk about James Bond. Let's talk about Godzilla. Because. And let's talk about the Bondzilla podcast. Because <laughs> it's been, it, it, it has, it has been. It has been a wild ride. We we've already kind of talked about like you know uh, us personally and the and, and the show itself. But I thought for we kind of just do a standard wrap up of everything of all of our experiences and what we've learned from these franchises. Um, I thought that would be the way to go, and we can talk about that and uh, talk about where we stand on the franchises, what some of our favorite films were. Um, yep. and, uh, we'll, we'll go, we'll go from there. And any fav- I would say any, uh, favorite, just memories, not just from the films, but from the podcast as a whole, like any favorite, like the know, Rodans. Yes. Uh, I definitely have some that I want to, want to discuss, but let's talk about the movies. Okay. Let's talk so about let, the, let's the talk about James, let's, check, let's talk about James Bond first. 
Yes. Yeah. Um. So you. So James Bond. Uh. Was if it had to lean in one direction was your side of the franchise or your side of the podcast that you were kind of bringing. Uh, your knowledge and familiarity with. So why why don't we start with y- you? Uh, so tell us just how do you summarize like everything that we've been uh, that we've been watching? The Bond franchise. One of the things that also this podcast did was it really made me realize like just how important Bond is to me. And I, I've mentioned a couple times that Bond was was one of the ways that I. I got the bond with my dad and he you know again we would kind of see some of those movies he had some on dvd and um some we would watch on like stars or epics or whatever we're doing bond marathons but there's just a comfortability of just the way that the bond franchise operates in terms of especially because that they are very individual stories with like kind of a loose continuity like sometimes tracy and and you know that the under majesty secret service will be reference and sometimes you have Blofeld sometimes you don't like there's a very loose continuity but there is a there's a level of comfortability with the way that the franchise goes and a level of fun of just seeing how that franchise the ebbs and flows of it and really seeing again sort of like you get you start low key and you get to Goldfinger and it gets higher you get the Thunderball it gets higher and then you get back to okay Mattress Honor Mattress Secret Service is kind of a little bit more regular and then you kind of get back up with diamonds and then you know going down with the more and the ups and downs of the more era going from like live and let die to moonraker back down to your your eyes only i think there's that level of it as well uh but i just think they're very fun movies to experience the good and the bad of them i think that there's a level of there's always something kind of ridiculous going on the and one thing that i've gotten so much appreciation for over the course of this podcast are the action sequences and the stunt work of bond which we've, we've talked about in the deep dive, I still really don't think get enough credit for their influence on the industry. And yes, some, you know, some films like Mission Impossible have gone bigger, even bigger with them, but there's a number of stories that we've talked about in terms of how the Bond franchise did their stunts and just sort of the Wild West nature of it. Um, so there's that al- element of it. And also the appreciation of the work that the Broccoli family has put in and the work that the entire Eon team and the people that have come in and out of Eon and how many similar people have been through the horse of the whole history. Like how many films Ken Adam did, how many films Peter Hunt edited, how many films Peter Lamont did the production design, like how many, you know, that original era where you had like, you know, four, basically four kind of directors. You had Guy Hamilton, you had Terrence Young, you had Lewis Gilbert, you had John Glenn with the Peter Hunt. Like you have a lot of this people, and there's such a family aspect, not just in the Broccoli family, but just the way that those Bond movies are made from a family perspective. I just really got an appreciation for the way that those movies are made and, and the, the end result of them. Mm-hmm. And there are some bad ones, but there are also ones I really like. Well, I mean, it's a franchise of films. I mean, you know. Yeah, especially with that many movies. Yeah. I mean, you can say the same thing about Godzilla. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I think it's, um, you know, uh, um, part of the friend cast, Patrick, um, has, um, we, we've both said something similar where I think there there's only one franchise where every entry is great. That may be, that potentially may be the Evil Dead franchise. Um, 
But I mean, but that's that's the fun thing about the franchises, though. Like, it, it is fun that there is varying qualities of it. Like, I, I actually think that there is merit in that um, because then ultimately, you know, you know, it's funny because then like, you know, then a new one may come out and then everybody starts to prefer those ones they didn't like. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, because yeah. at least it has like the charm to it. Like, you know, yeah. um, so you, you fall in love with it in the same way that, um, I don't know, you just, you just kind of fall in love with it warts and all. Like, I, I think. Yeah. And I think it's, I think that's also a part of it, especially these two franchises where even like, you know, there's really crazy moments in almost all these movies that there's something to enjoy in like every single one of them, even like, you know, the best of the best and the worst of the worst. And I think bond really, really establishes that. Like there are very few movies in this franchise that I feel like you really couldn't take any sort of positivity from. Right. And there, even though some of the rougher ones, like, you know, like I, I still, you know, there's some people in our fandom that want me to revisit, man with the golden gun and at some point i will but even i have to admit that like i it's just fun seeing christopher lee in that movie mm. and it's fun seeing like knickknack and you know as silly as the slide whistle is that car flip is super impressive and super memorable uh and, and even that sort of stuff and you know i can try like this even i will say like the worst i you know i still think the worst is a view to a kill but that score is still really fire and just stuff like that yeah, so it, 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 it's been a fun ride for me, I think. And, you know, it is interesting because if, you know, one of the things I will say, like, kind of going into it, um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm a, I was a fan of Bond in the way that any kind of casual movie fan would be a fan of Bond. Like, you're just, you're just into, you know, his whole deal. Like, that, you know, he's a spy, and then there's, like, the gadgets, and he's just a cinematic icon. So it's like, you know, you there's a fondness for him regardless of that. But, you know, you know, and, and it, it's no secret that my, my tastes of often, they, they skew a little bit more into the fantastical, um, a little bit. So I think that is why, you know, I've always preferred like when Bond gets a little bit more whimsical, I, I definitely enjoy that. But, you know, just like the, the straight on action film is definitely not always just kind of like a win for me, um, as, as, quickly as maybe some other genres and subgenres will be. So it, it is interesting that, like, I'm not sure, admittedly, while I'm not sure that I've found a newfound love for Bond, there is definitely a newfound appreciation for the franchise and how it fits into cinema. And one of the, one of the biggest things, the, the biggest takeaway that I actually came out with, especially when you compare the um the two franchises is that i would actually argue that james bond is the more permeating of the two franchises in terms of it's the one that has had the biggest most obvious um um lasting influence on just everything in terms of just like action movies and spy films in general and some of that is by because you know Godzilla is much more of a specific kaiju subgenre and obviously with James Bond you're dealing with like on the ground human people so it has a little bit of a um 
leg up in that regard. But as we go through, as we went through the franchise, like you always know that things like Kingsman is a Bond, um, like kind of like offshoot, or yeah. you know that like something like the Born Identity is kind of in that spy subgenre, and Bond is the ultimate example of like the spy or like the definitive spy franchise. But I don't think. It, it was until I finally rewatched all the films and then went back into those more contemporary movies and really realized just how much that genre, that franchise of film just really exploded in, into all of these different directions. Like to the point that I, I feel confident that Mission Impossible, um, uh, Born Identity, Kingsman, all of these movie franchises and even TV franchises, I don't think that they would be quite as big as they are without Bond. 100%. E- even the films that really move away from all the things that you like about Bond. Like, you know, you wouldn't, I wouldn't call the Born movies like Bond movies in any sense. But there's just something that's inescapable that you just feel like the Bourne movies wouldn't even be the spy franchise that they are if it wasn't for the work that Bond laid out for the precedent of having a super spy subgenre. And you can even, again, you can even argue that it's not even a precedent for just the the spy genre, but for kind of a franchise filmmaking you know, as a whole. Because, you know, when you talk about, you know, people talk about the history of cinema and they always go to like, that kind of Star Wars Jaws, you know, night, late 1970s as being like the true birth of the blockbuster and the true birth of like kind of what we kind of know as like the way that cinema has kind of gone. But the, those Bond movies and like starting in 1962 was just, again, they were kind of consistently these movies that were getting big budgets and big action sequences and, um, and was laying the foundation for a long running franchise that, you know, you had bits and pieces of franchise, you wouldn't even call them franchises, like movie series in like earlier eras, like the 40s and 50s. But like Bond, you can argue is like the true, like one of the first true like franchises and an early precedent to what would become, you know, what would happen with Star Wars and Alien and Terminator and Die Hard and all those movies into the 70s and 80s. And there's an element of just the way that Bond operates and the way that Bond has carried itself and the confidence that the eon team has had in continuing bond no matter what was happening around them or in the world just speaks to kind of the power of and the lasting impact of just bond as a whole Mm -hmm. that bond has just become you know just something that people know okay there's a new bond movie coming out and And that's like something that people just know yeah and, and i think for me one of the things about it is that what separates it from something like godzilla is even though you could play some uh, six degree uh was uh, that game six degrees of kevin bacon or whatever or right. yeah. yeah it's like so it's like six degrees of godzilla like you could make those connections from something like godzilla to something like say jurassic park where it's like you know big monsters and visual effects and everything but for some reason like that connection isn't quite as palpable as something like Mission Impossible connecting to James Bond, which is and the Mission Impossible example is also interesting because that has its own source material before it went into the movies. But you still just kind of always relate it back to Bond in some way. And one of the 
another thing that I really thought about too is like all of these other different types of franchises and all these influence that Bond has influenced are either these very distant offshoots or answers to James Bond mm-hmm. in a way. Yeah. But you never but you don't mind that. So mm-hmm. if you have a movie that is about super spies, guys in a tuxedo, he's acting cool and maybe there's a gadget or two, you know that they're doing a riff on Bond, but you mm-hmm. just you don't mind. You just go with it because you're like that well that is kind of like the gold standard of it, so you you don't mind the homage or the the influence of it at all. Um, like, so if a movie is like an answer to James Bond, like we are going to do like the dark, like how Jason Bourne is like we're going to do the dark spy movie. Like you don't mind. Whereas I feel personally, and I know this isn't for everybody, but I feel personally, you know this. When I watch movies that are trying to be like the answer to superhero movies where it's like, this is like the dark superhero movies. Like I, I I have less patience for it. Now I think that there's some key differences. I think maybe it's just because I feel like, you know, I do want a certain thing out of like my superhero movies. So maybe that's why it's a little bit different, but I just always, I can never let go of like, if a movie, like when I watch Joker, I I can never let go that that movie is just, is really trying not to be, all the other superhero movies. Mm-hmm. I don't get that when I watch even the most direct parallel to Bond. Like, even when I'm watching Austin Powers, which is a direct making fun of Bond, I just accept that as Austin Powers. Right. You know what I mean? It's yeah. a very strange, and I just think it speaks to just how powerful of an influence a unique influence that Bond has where it can be its own thing, but then also just allow itself to be spread out into all these different directions. Um, and, yeah. And, and then blend into those so easily. And I think it's also like, again, like Bond uh, has that element because again, of the loose continuity that is so malleable, right? That, and I think that's one of the things that was really fun was really kind of going into like again, but, like but those er, er, early sixties. I'm starting to interrupt, but is the franchise malleable, or is kind of like the the trappings and like the 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 legacy of what it brought forth malleable? That that's just more of a question that I have. Like, what? You uh, well, I, I just think that, like, again, like you look at what I, I think it's also. I mean, what makes Bond malleable is the fact that you can do different stuff with the actors, right? That it, there isn't like a you know, because again, like when we talk about the MCU, like, you know, people, what were people talking about for a little bit with Iron Man? Like, oh, were they going to bond Iron Man? Were they just going to cast another actor as Iron Man, right? And obviously that doesn't happen and they're going to do different things to kind of continue the Iron Man legacy. But that's such an, a distinct part of the Bond franchise is it's a character that's been distinctly played mm-hmm. by multiple people for long periods of time. It's not even like Jack Ryan, who we've also kind of, you know, mentioned in, in one of the best parts of this podcast was us discovering the that we like Jack Ryan. I have to, Which, I have to say, that may be worth doing the podcast alone. Is this whole sub joke of the Jack Ryan movies, and then ultimately yeah. discovering those movies? 
Which I still well, yeah. I still submit they're all fun movies. They're all fun. No, yeah. I agree hundred percent agree. But I would say that like even with Jack Ryan, like yes, they've all been played by different actors, but it's like, okay, you got one Alec Baldwin and, and maybe two Harrison Fords and everybody else has played him once and, and John Krasinski's playing him for a couple seasons. But with Bond, it's like, okay, you have that original Connery legacy where he's doing like, you know, five, six films, and then Moore does seven or eight films, and mm-hmm. you know, Dalton only gets the two, but then Brosnan gets four and and he you know, and 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 um, Craig's been playing him for so many years now and, and through the film. So there's just this legacy of they can kind of coalesce around what the actor and like even those bonds are different, right? They're playing the same character yeah. and they have some elements that are similar. But, you know, more we talked about it. One of another one of my favorite kind of deep dives was our act when we did all the actor episodes, because really digging into what makes all those Bond actors great and what their strengths are that they bring to Bond. Like, more really bringing that personality and charm mm-hmm. and and Dalton bringing that theatricality and it's just love for the performance. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, Connery setting things up with that with that coolness and that suaveness. And, and Bro- like I said, Brosnan, like, has that chemistry with everybody. And, and again, for all we think about Craig, he is the perfect Bond for what they want to do with casino royale and he makes casino royale work because of his strengths yeah, yeah. and that's where i think the malleability is like they can malleability there's the malleability of the franchise to the time period where like you know obviously there's especially in that original bond era which i contend is pretty much you know connery through dalton is kind of what i consider you know the original cubby era of bond yes they're all very similar in the way they tell those stories and their megalomaniacs are all similar but you know like Moore's Bonds of those 70s, like once you get to Spy Who Loved Me and, and the disco Bond, the Bond 77, the score, and you get to that stuff. But like I mentioned this a little bit in the Godzilla commentary, but when we did our Dr. No commentary, I did, I watched Fear Eyes Only right after it because I was just in that Bond mood. And it's so distinct about how For Your Eyes Only has so much that's is similar to like those early Bonds but also is so distinctly 80s and so distinctly more. And how those elements of it's being like the first 80s Bond and being like another more film is such an imprint on it, but you still know it's a Bond movie. Like you still know it's James Bond because it has all those trappings and it can be so different from Dr. No, but yet it's Bond. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm just very impressed that it's a franchise that ultimately is able to simultaneously be itself and also live more abstractly. And by that, I Mm -hmm. mean like you can have all the other bond offshoots in terms of like, you can have as many spy moves that you, as you want that you're very more than willing to accept. Like it's going to have some of these bond trappings, but then you also are going to still get in line for a Bond movie. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's just, it, it's amazing to me that the franchise, as long-lasting as it is, and then also kind of, like, keep its own identity, too. Like, and yes, we've talked about how, of course, it it, it, get, it gets a little bit into the sillier uh, um, uh, arena, like, you know, the, the sillier types of movies but even though like you know when we watched dr no one of the things that made me think about this was that when you watch dr no it's not casino royale it's not like a serious spy movie it's being played as kind of like a 
crowd pleasing like fun right. spy film like that that right, is like kind of I... like the like if anything like like and then you and then some of the other bond movies they dive into that but now when you really watch it it really isn't until you get to the craig era that they get like let's get serious with this Right, like well, that's why I always use the term like lower key because it's not like being the serious spy, but mm. sometimes they like do par down on, like like the bigger like world dominating plans, but and and sometimes they par down on the gadgets and sometimes they do that, but there's always sort of something big, something silly that happens mm. in almost all the Bond movies. Mm. I think, and I think this is why. And and I actually and this is not to say I think that the Craig films have earned their place in in the in the Bond franchise, despite yeah, my feelings of them. But especially like in that terms of period, like when it was coming out, it was like you know it was good direction for two thousand and six when mm-hmm. they did Casino Royale. Like that's what the industry was trending towards, and they were on top of that trend. But one thing that made me realize, like why I think that maybe I'm so critical of those movies is that they're the only Bond films, to me at least, in the, within the franchise that feels like it's answering for the franchise. Mm. And, yeah. and it's kind of interesting that I have no qualms about that if in another spy franchise. But when the franchise itself starts doing it, that's when I'm kind of like... It, it doesn't right. quite work. And that's not to say it can't work. Like, I, I think Casino Royale is the closest it gets to working. But it is interesting that if I had to pinpoint where I think the, the problems are, that may be what it is. And I don't know mm-hmm. what that's about. Maybe that's just personal taste. But it is interesting, like, I, while I'm simultaneously saying, like, I don't mind, like, when, like, Kingsman and Austin Powers are doing their own thing, they're making fun of it. But then also, like, I accept that for what they are. Um, yeah, I, I just think I think that, that that's an interesting revelation I just had. It is. It is. Definitely. Um, and I think it's also, again, what's fun about Bond is just the fact that its long history allows you to have very much your favorite element of it, right? Mm. Like... Like I, I think it's 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 one of those things where I'll be interested, you know, going ahead a little bit. One of the things I'm interested about really like deep diving into like Trek is like, yes, it has those original eras where it's like, you know, people like the original series, people like Next Generation, and people like the Abrams movies. But I think there's just something special about the way that it's bond and there's such a specific feeling mm-hmm. about how those different bonds appeal to you mm-hmm. in a different way than like 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 longer running series like Trek does or even in my comparison to like, you know, it's not necessarily a franchise, but how I kind of view like the Disney animated canon where I've kind of come down as like, I've kind of really liked that fifties and sixties period of the studio and people have like their nineties and their, their current eras and stuff like that. But there's just a very unique feeling about your favorite bond and your favorite type of bond movie. That's just so special to bond. I feel right. like. Yeah, and I and I feel admittedly this is where I would say that maybe because now I've had the fresh watch of all of them that maybe if I rewatch them again then I would have a little bit more of a stronger opinion uh, about that because a- as it stands now and this is not a indictment on the franchise or the movies it's just my familiarity with them I, I don't quite have the connection where um like I kind of like Bond to me is just very powerful as an overall legacy. Um, mm-hmm. As we kind of talk about um, Godzilla, I, I feel like for me, 
that franchise and its longevity has a little bit more of a specific like story to tell in its like in the eras that came that come out like over the canon there's like almost kind of like this broader story whereas i feel like james bond is just more of like a giant piece that has just permeated the culture as just like in 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 just such a powerful way so for me, and, and that kind of came to some of maybe my, my little criticism, and, and, and this is completely on me, is that, you know, I, I do sometimes, other than very specific examples, find, like, uh, I, I do sometimes, often, I've had a history on the show of having trouble, like, following exactly the specifics of each Bond movie, um, and then what I will acknowledge is that as the franchise kind of gets more into, like, the like the um, a little bit of the Dalton I mean really like for me it's the more and the um and the uh what's it called the um I actually honestly now that I think about it the more movies are the ones where I can kind of like distinguish them a little bit more um mm-hmm. whereas like I, I kind of have a bit of an issue with the other ones except for Craig but that's just because the Craigs are the more modern movies right. um so so that so the different the differentiation of them I'm not saying it's not there. I, I think that I can make a better case for the how about how each entry of the Godzilla films kind of like um, has a little bit more of a distinctness to it for me. Yeah. Um, but those are individual pieces, whereas I just feel like you know the Bond franchise is just no matter how many entries of it is just one big giant hole. Like you know. Um, it's just one giant whole piece that just is so um, powerfully that show has so powerfully influenced everything else. Hundred percent. Yeah, that, that I, I, I can see, I can definitely see your point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so let you want to you kind of want to talk about like just some of like the highlights of the franchise, maybe like what some of like kind of what you're walking away with the favorite movies. From yeah, so like I, I have my list mm-hmm. like right right here. I don't know if you wanted to do like any specific order or just no like, because like, my kind of mine right. I'm just probably I'm just gonna say like what my favorites are. Well, I think I do. You know what? I'll go with like a top maybe five for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do want to shout out a couple movies that really raise up my my ranks here because that's what I really because yes, there are some that kind of like if you want to say like you know there's stuff like the Craig era is definitely a little bit lower. You know, and I was never really truly high on it, but it definitely was distinctly lower. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I, I kind of think like another thing that I really took away from like really looking at this is just like, you know, we, we talked about it very a lot early on, but just how useless the Blofeld character is, mm-hmm. and just how mm-hmm. like that, that was always something where, you know, because that was me. Like I talked about with Spectre, I was like, oh man, Blofeld's coming back as a Bond fan, and then now going back, it's like that Blofeld coming back is meaningless because that character has. No character. Uh, I think it was on this show that we had actually claimed that the Bond franchise, despite being known for Bond villains, actually had a villain problem. Like right. it, it wasn't quite as it, it wasn't like we, quite as powerful as a trope that you would be led to believe because of honestly what it bur- I mean, it did this franchise did birth the idea of the Bond villain. But then when right. you you watch the actual franchise, you often found yourself wanting a little bit more from that from this trope that this franchise otherwise created. Yeah. Um, also, but I, I do want to give credit to the things that did kind of raise. 
And one of the ones I really wanted the man to shoot in, in sort of this retrospect is one thing that has risen overall for me in terms of my Bond fandom is the Brosnan era. Because mm-hmm. I always had this thought up until we did the podcast of the Brosnan era being a one film era. Mm-hmm. And it kind of still is to an extent. Like the one film is Goldeneye and then the rest of them were, you know, it was diminishing returns. <laughs> but I had really a lot of fun going back to Tomorrow Never Dies and The World Is Not Enough. And while I don't think I both, both of those movies aren't perfect, I think there is a lot more to grab out of them than I initially thought. And especially the character of Electric King, it, you know, and I'm very much someone who has become more aware of, of female characters. And, and, and now when I write, I write a lot more female characters than I used to. But the appreciation for some, like a character like Electric King existing, I think is something that I never really thought about. Um, and also, uh, Moonraker, uh, never would have thought that would have landed in my top 10 going into the podcast. It's a movie I always liked watching, but I was like, oh, oh it's like, you know, Bond in Space. And I like mm-hmm. Bond in Space, but I was always like, oh, there's other stuff. But the fact that it's not number 10 on my list, it's a big deal. But quickly, just going through my top, I'll just quickly run through my top 10 because I have it up. Moonraker, number 10, Dr. No, number 9. Uh, Honor Majesty's Secret Service number eight. License to Kill is another one I gained a lot of appreciation for, and I think it's one that I specifically like because, you know, I, I really kind of claim that Dalton became my favorite Bond uh, during this period. But I really just License to Kill just hit me. It's now at number seven. Goldfinger actually dropped a little bit. Usually it was always in my top three, and now it's number six. Um, just I think that it just has its elements that just don't age well, and I still think it's a banger of a film. Um, but just, uh, you know, just has those issues that kind of prevent it from being in my top five. But now my top five, of course, The Living Daylights, Dalton, a film I've always loved, uh, but actually has dropped down to the number one film that I rediscovered and the one I always mention, and people know this if they know this podcast, for your eyes only. Never will forget the shock that I had thinking this movie was as brilliant as it was, Mm -hmm. and it's become just one that I've so loved enjoying and sharing and, and just, I'm, I'm so happy that it's there And the more era as a whole, I will say I really gained a great, great appreciation for more and that he's right underneath Dalton in terms of my bond list. Mm-hmm. Number three, Goldeneye is just a really fun movie. Um, and just, we got to see that in theaters, which was such a treat and on a top and everything about that. It's just the perfect bond for that era and what it needs for much with love. Number two, I still think that's, Cottery's best performance. I think it's one of the best paced Bond movies. I l- still love to this day the train scene with um, Replicant Quint with uh, Robert Shaw. Mm-hmm. And number one uh, is Spy Who Loved Me. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's everything you could ever want in a Bond movie is in the Spy Who Loved Me. I think it's more in his top form. I love Anya. I love the action. The the Lotus chase with all the with the plane and the and the uh, helicopter and the buses and everything like that is so much fun. The third act is incredible. Just everything about that movie and and that scene where Bond tells like, yeah, I killed your boyfriend, Anya, is such like a Bond scene to me. It's like it's a scene that that in of itself defines the Bond franchise to me. So those that's my top ten. Yeah, I think the way that I'm gonna go about it is kind of just saying like, as somebody who's a little bit newer to it. Um, where I can like say these are the films that stru- that kind of um, that kind of stood out to me as like these are the things that made me a fan of Bond. Yes. Um, and I, I I'll just kind of go in like the order in which some of them came out. 
Um, while revisiting Dr. No was a lot of fun, and I'm glad I did it, um, I still always go back to From Russia With Love. Uh, From Russia With Love, I, I really, really enjoyed, and I really want to see again. But out of all those old um, um, uh, Connery films, that's the one that, has, that always kind of stood out to me. It's funny kind of going back and watching Dr. No and then like really kind of realizing how much they were getting into the globe-trotting nature uh, of the film right away by like kind of putting it in the in the islands. Um, but there was something about From Russia With Love where I just remember, not only do, do I think the film looks great, but this, the scope of what a Bond movie can be um, really, I, I felt like it was the movie that just realized the potential of that, which is some of the very unique um, locations that they were shooting at, and it, and it really just expanded that world of Bond as this international super spy. Um, yeah, I would but agree. Then, but then, just... And then also, like, in a way, because this was really right before they went crazy with gadgets, um, the... Um, it, it, while still keeping it grounded without getting into the gadgets and the more whimsical stuff yet. And and I felt like that that movie just worked for me. I Yeah, and I still think that's really where, you know, Dr. No is a great start, but I think that where the Bond franchise establishes itself is from Watch With Love. And it's partly because that movie is so good mm-hmm. uh, and it remains so good. Um, and it has so, that's really where a lot of the real fun of Bond and even like the most fun stuff Vector stuff is in that movie um, with like Rose Cleb and, and, and all the numbered agents and stuff like that. I think that there's, there's this fun action and fun moments and fun moments of tension. And just again, uh, and, and it's got a great bond girl and Tatiana mm-hmm. and some of the most fun money penny stuff still is in that movie. Like there's just so much that's good about from much with love. Um, it's kind of an obvious choice, but Goldfinger just starts all like kind of like the more iconic things about Bond that I like and you know and and even if I have like a bunch of different opinions about it specifically I still just go back to it because it still just has kind of all the other Bond trappings that I like so it almost kind of is like the one that like really set up a lot of like the tropes as like you know, with Odd Job and like the weird henchman, and then like the 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 villain with a really weird plot, and you know, it, it just some of the other more whimsical, funnier and, things that you like about Bond. I, I just think right. those individual like, and elements, it's really, yeah, yeah, and it's the, you know, it like establishes it truly establishes the Bond key relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it it does so much, you know, it, it kind of continues to expound on the globe trotting. Um, and, and just so much, I mean, and there, I mean, obviously though, the, I expect you to die scene is, is so iconic for yeah. a reason. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, that's why, I mean, like, again, Goldfinger is where the Bond franchise, you know, if, if for much with love is where it kind of establishes itself, even from a quality standpoint, then Goldfinger is the one that really establishes itself from like a crowd standpoint an audience standpoint. And it's one that again, has dropped out of my top five, but it's still so iconic and so memorable and so fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and even that car chase sequence is so much fun, like the with the gadget car. Um, and then keeping it golden, um, I just go all the way to GoldenEye. Like, I, I just think this movie hits it out of the park. I, I think it's great. I, I think it's like uh, all around. I, there's really nothing else I can say about it. I just think it like everything that I like from a Bond movie, I just think it gets right. I'm so... I'm so happy that's the one we got to see in theaters. I am too. That's a really, that's a fun movie with a crowd. And I and I've seen it before, but that that was the movie. Like when I'm just watching it, like 
all the action beats pay off. It, it, it's got just the right amount of cheese to it. I think Brosnan is great in the role. I think he just brings, he's just, he, he just works with other actors so well. Um, and, and I just, and I just think that works for me. Um, the one thing I will say that was kind of like the big thing I had to think about when thinking about my favorite Bond movies is like I don't know if there's a specific more Bond movie that I like or that I would define as like, oh, this is my favorite one, despite more being probably my preferred Bond. Like it's almost like yeah. I like watching him as Bond. I don't want to say more than watching the movies, but I, I just kind of like – I just kind of like him. Like he can be in whatever. Right. What like to me, it's like the movie is almost like secondary to just seeing him play Bond, and right. that may like that that may be a backhanded compliment a little bit. But I actually think it's more of a testament to how good he is in the role. Um, yeah, I, I think that. But the last thing I'll say, and I'm gonna die on this hill, is I love never. I say know what never you're about again. to say. I love yeah. never say never again, and to me. Like, I don't know. Like, I just felt like when I watched that movie, other than maybe something like Goldeneye, I just felt like that was like the Bond movie that, you know, it sounds kind of corny, but it's like, that's the Bond movie I would have made. Like, that's like just the one, like, if I had all the things I knew about like the Sean Connery Bond, and if you just made it in a movie that was palatable for me, it just, I don't know why it just, it just worked. I love the way that Connery plays it. Like, you know, with a little bit more, you know, age to him and everything. I think he, the way he plays Bond is great. I think that like things like car chases feel fresh and fun in that movie. It gets so ridiculous with like the, uh, with the, the femme fatale character in it. Um, I, I, some of the action set pieces are just great, and and there's just enough lunacy in it. I absolutely love that movie, and I know it's like one of those movies where you kind of have to go out of your way to get. And I haven't done it yet, but it is actually if I had to just honestly, like for me, if I had to just own a Bond movie, that may be the one that I go for because I I thoroughly enjoyed it, and it, it's and these are all the film like so like for me, it's like from Russia with Love. Um, I was almost gonna say gold member. Uh, <laughs> um, Goldfinger, uh, Golden Eye, and um, Never Say Never Again are are the the, the big winners for me. I think. Uh, one thing I do want to say uh, about Never Say Never Again is that may in fact be, and I said that for your eyes only was the top of the canon in terms of surprises for me that I just did not realize how much I loved that movie. Never say never again may in fact be the number one surprise of anything we've watched on this podcast. Mm -hmm. I did not go into that movie thinking it would be as good as it was because it was, you know, again, it gets lumped in with Casino Royale 67, which I do want to talk about later. I don't want to talk about right now, but I, I was just so, I'm so happy that we got to watch it. And that was one of the most fun parts of this podcast was really, again, discovering all that sort of stuff of just that unknown stuff and just really dissect dissecting that movie was one of the most fun times I've had on this podcast. Absolutely. Uh, did you before we move on into the the king? Did you want to talk about Casino Royale? Well, because I was gonna do a thing where I wanted to talk about like some of my favorite episodes, 
Um, oh, okay. Just, we can, we, from, we okay. We can get to that at the end then. Yeah. Yeah. Because so, I I have a thing where I picked like I picked an episode from each uh, side per year, and I kind of okay. pick my favorite one. Yeah. Per let, year. Let, so let's I want to talk, talk about, about that, that at the end. Um. All right. So uh, let's get into Godzilla a little bit. Um. So yeah. I'll start with with Godzilla. So. Again, I kind of had already uh, prefaced a lot of this conversation by talking about why I wanted to get. So I kind of already dived into a little bit of the experience of about talking with it, about talking about it, analyzing it, and you know, and, and that's like the biggest thing about like doing this show is like I feel that I've developed or at least worked on my analytical voice a little bit more, and I'm still always working on it, but I I, I feel um, I'm I'm definitely in a different spot of being able to do it. At, le- at least I hope I am, and I feel. I feel that I have. Um, but the biggest thing I, I, I've kind of learned um, from Godzilla, like I know that like the biggest thing for me was like I always pitched the show as like, you know, we're talking about like the longest running franchises. But then, you know, you kind of have to think about like, well, what does what does that mean? Because it's like you can always like take like a bunch of franchises that have lasted a little longer. Now, obviously, I think Bond and Godzilla, the numbers are so specific that, you know, that there is something a little bit more there there's something a little bit more to look into uh with uh when you get into 30 plus films about what it is and the thing that has always fascinated me so much about the the Godzilla franchise is not only the longevity of the franchise but just the actual history of, of the franchise and there is a more of for me and this is where I kind of lean not lean towards but this is like whereas I think that Bond maybe gets the points for having the more for permeating the culture a little bit more and permeating film and 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 cinema a little bit more. Godzilla stands out more to me as like man you could really just look at the franchise as a whole and it and it, and it tells like its own it, it tells its own story just throughout like this franchise that this whole franchise is almost like a historic like tome of just a certain type of filmmaking that is so specific because that's the one thing about the Godzilla franchise because you can't quite say that it has quite the same type of influence on film that Bond has and I think that one of the things is because you know it's such a specific thing that the Godzilla that Godzilla is doing it's so niche and so uh unique with like you know the the like the uh, guys in suits doing the uh, you know doing the creatures and like the way in which the special effects were done and um, you know in the history in, in in which it was made like you know there's a very different uh, history to it whereas the Bond franchise has um, openly had like more of um uh like a um what I'm what's the word I'm looking for um it was um. Man, I'm blanking on the word. It's had like a group of people looking after it its whole time. Like there, there, there yeah. was there, there was caretakers. It's had yes, its caretakers. thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Um, it's had its caretakers and Bond and uh, and sorry and uh, Godzilla really didn't have that. And Godzilla was really more of what we would think of as a more traditional studio pumping out movies type of franchise, and. And it's so fascinating that when we, like, talk about movies, like, today, and then we we talk about, like, you know, commercial entertainment, and, you know, sometimes we lament things like that, but 
Godzilla being that not only has lasted as long as it has, but its name is so iconic and it, and has reached that level of cinematic recognition that Bond has. And then not only that, but because of the nature of it being like, there's some translation you can do with it being like technically foreign films, the fact that you can really look at the eras of the Godzilla films and not and, and see multiple different types of stories and histories. Like you can see stories of the Japanese filmmaking. You can see cultural influences. You can see um, uh, geographical influences about like, you know, um, when the franchise started to reach out um, globally to different audiences, when different, um, um, you know, when the Western and Eastern culture started making the films. I mean, even getting into weird things about how, like, there's other places in, like, uh, the world that do look at the 98 film in high regard because that was their introduction to to Godzilla. But So th- there really isn't just one story to tell with the Godzilla franchise. Like, so you... And above all, and above all that, you can even look at the individual movies and really make a case of uh, thematically what each one is what each one is getting at. Like, and there 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 is a very powerful case that you can make uh, on an individual basis. Um, I think um, so. That was kind of like the thing that 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 stood out to me uh, about the franchise. It, it it was it's just such a unique history of film that I don't I I can't find another franchise parallel for i mean that's an interesting point and i think that i think the godzilla franchise telling a story in and of itself is a very a very good image about what the franchise is now for me it's interesting because like obviously like godzilla is the stuff that i'm learning about on this podcast i the the Godzilla franchise for me, I, the one word that keeps coming to mind was that it was an experience to to go through it all, mm-hmm. and I really think part of that is I still have such an affinity for watching those early Showa era movies mm-hmm. because it was really just kind of a point of just like I never knew what was coming next. Like once you thought you kind of knew. Then they would throw like you know like you kind of had like your your King Kong versus Godzilla and your good uh, then your um, your Mothra versus Godzilla and then you get thrown like Ghidra where it's like oh man it's like there's Venetian princesses and and like crazy like you know the the biggest villain you've ever seen and and then you get to like Abira and it's like oh man like and then even just behind the scenes like it's gonna it was supposed to be a King Kong movie so that's why Godzilla acts so weird but it's also it's just a giant lobster. And then, okay, Godzilla has a son. There was just stuff, and it was like more of a kid's movie now, and we're back to being kind of crazy monster action. I, one of the most memorable parts of the podcast was actually getting to King Kong versus Godzilla and me saying on Mike, I think I'm falling in love with the kaiju genre. Mm-hmm. And just from that movie by itself and just what that movie represented, from there it was just kind of a, a, a fun little, it was a fun love affair of just really discovering just the wide variety of stuff that can happen and the, the genres that could be put in and sort of referenced and, and all that sort of stuff. And, and just 
the crazy things. And just like Bond, there's always something kind of crazy happening, even in the worst of those movies. Like even once you get, you know, like, yes, it's like, you know, Invasion of Astro Monster was definitely neither of our favorites, but like aliens and like weird aliens that like letters and, 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 you know, monster numbers instead of letters, like, oh, yeah, that's like you humans like letters, like that stuff, stuff, stuff was so much fun to experience. And the wide variety of kaijus uh, was always a great time. And just just like with Bond being uh, gaining, an, obviously, an appreciation for stunt sequences that already knew, just the level of imagination and craft that goes into those monster fights, even when they're just in the suits, it's like, yes, you could say that they're just in the suits, but there's a craft and an imagination and a love that goes into making those fights entertaining. And, you know, I, I kind of would say that on, on, on the basis of every episode. It's like, if there was monsters fighting, what's the monster action like? Like, that was what really grabbed me about the entire franchise and kind of really comparing the styles and, and types. And again, like, I mean, I kind of mentioned earlier, but the, the, the variety of monsters, right? Like, you know, you, you have to not only fall in love with Godzilla, but, you know, you gain that connection with Mothra because of that spiritual nature. Like, Ghidorah had... It's 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 impact as kind of this br- brutal thing. You're like, oh man, there's just giant spiders and lobsters. Mechagodzilla right, right. is amazing. Mm-hmm. Hedora is crazy. Like and and you know even like again, I have the love for. I mean, the, the, nothing speaks to the way that Godzilla has spoken to me than the love of Jet Jaguar that you and I mm-hmm. have both worn on our sleeve since we saw Megalon. Mm-hmm. Like that was such just a moment for me was just like loving jet jaguar and falling in love with this with this creature that like or this robot or whatever you want to call it that i knew was really only in one movie like that we kind of talked about was like it's it's its lone appearance and not as famous as the others but there's such a a love for that i think and just a love for the creative energy that goes into these godzilla movies even with what you said that there wasn't that same kind of passion behind the scenes whereas bond had the very passionate like what the broccolis were doing and what saltzman was doing when he was there was that they were passionate about these movies and making these bond movies and making this franchise work the godzilla movies again didn't have that up until recently really that there was kind of like we're throwing stuff at the wall but there was such a creative spark in every one of those in terms of some respect Mm -hmm. that it was just infectious to see how that came across on screen uh and even into you know, even into the Hasty era and to the Millennium era, and even if like you know the Hasty era, uh, definitely like I think to me started off rough and got better. But even with the Hasty era, like the imagination and the craft that goes into reimagining Rodan in the way that they did, right? Mm-hmm. Or to get to Destoroya, or to have the time travel nonsense in in Ghidorah, or just the fun that was Mothra '92. Or going into the millennium era and just sort of like, I, you know, we weren't as, you know, definitely Mio wasn't as high as the constant rebooting of everything, but there's still those moments of spark that you see, even in the films that don't necessarily succeed. And that's what I really take from Godzilla. It's just there's this fun spark of creativity that just lights up on screen. What's interesting about the Godzilla franchise when you look at it as a whole is like the 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 varying types of films that there are in the franchise, any other franchise may get max three or four of those. And then Mm -hmm. like, it could be like, 
oh, like now it's going to be a TV show and it's going to be a little sillier or now we're going to do a movie and we're going to go a little darker. Like, you know, like there's a few franchises where they may go into those different or like this is the one where they go to space. And if you're like a, if it's a TV series, they may go in a different direction two or three times. If it's a movie, maybe they'll go in a different direction four or five times if they can. Godzilla has 30 plus movies where it's constantly, you're right, they're constantly like, okay, now it's this type of monster. Now it's aliens. Okay, now it's Cetopians. Like, it, 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 it's like, it's constantly doing that. And yeah. the, and what, and, like, the closest you can get to the type of franchise it is is, like, maybe, like, in the horror genre, where the horror genre, it kind of has a similar where when you retroactively look at, like, something like the Halloween franchise or the Friday 13th franchise, where there's a little bit of, like, okay, now they're starting to play with genre and maybe they're starting to, like, you know, uh, you know jump the shark on, on, on certain things a little bit. But really, even, even that, it, it's not quite, like... What other franchise where you can look at a specific era of films where we kind of called the Millennium Era where Toho was just kind of able to just just kind of like, you know, they wanted to keep making, you know, movies. So it's like, okay, so we'll do this thing where we just reboot it every movie and we'll just have people come in and do it and we'll, we'll see what sticks. Like, there was a whole era of films like that. When you think about yeah. it, like there, there was a whole era of films where they were just throwing things to the wall. Then there was like, okay, the one where we're, this is the whole era of films where we're going to have a continuity. Now we're going to have a whole era of films where you can do whatever you want, and you know we're just kind of finding our fo- our footing in this modern age with Godzilla. And now we're in an era where it's like, okay, we're going to start taking it seriously. I just can't think of another like maybe comics. As a whole, you know what I mean? Maybe just, yeah, like, just the like, entire... Yeah, the genre of comics, yeah. <laughs> and that's, like, a whole genre of comics. This is, like, a specific franchise where I, where these are all feature films. So just on that kind of production filmmaking level, there yeah. it, there's just something interesting about that. And again, to be a franchise that just to talk about a franchise from another country, right? Mm -hmm. To talk about like just how the Japanese filmmaking history and filmmaking process affected those movies and how they view their cinema and their franchises and their studio. It's just, it's so different and unique and it's fun to get to see that, you know, especially from people who do grew up with a very Hollywood centric view mm-hmm. of filmmaking and one of the things that god's doing the gabonzilla podcast really made me do outside of godzilla was it really made me want to seek out uh more like in general foreign productions but really to really get into more, more japanese productions like mm-hmm. i have always i mean obviously like i've had that connection just through like nintendo and and like you know like i would you know, I wasn't big on Toonami, but I would put it on as a kid and I'd see like, you know, all those like and I have the Pokemon anime and stuff. But like I saw Dragon Ball Super Broly in theaters because I was so into Godzilla. And I was just like, well, here's a Dragon Ball movie. I'll just go see it. I finally sought out, you know, I finally sought out Cowboy Bebop. I finally like started getting really like really digging deep into more Miyazaki movies for that same reason. 
you know, I was just really kind of itching to kind of really take in as much of that cinema and as much of that artwork as I could because there was just an inspiration from taking that from the Godzilla side of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And the only other thing that I kind of wanted to bring up, because that was just kind of more of my thoughts about the franchise more, is like from filmmaking. And then in terms of analytical, we've talked so much about different things. And, you know, I've kind of talked about the the story being told about the franchise. And one of the things I wanted to kind of hone in on is as we watched Godzilla in 1954 recently, is I want to talk about this kind of like overall story of Godzilla being this destructive force this like inhumane force of like nature allegory for nuclear warfare to generally a an like a for lack of a better term superhero type icon where you know you can easily i mean we live in a time when back-to-back movies came out where he was once again like the monster that is indestructible and and um inhumane but then also you know the movie where he's the savior of the earth like so you yeah. we, we we live in a time where we get both movies and and you know i love shin godzilla but i think in general i think kind of like the direction the franchise has gone in is that for the most part you're kind of like okay godzilla is in some way shape or form like a hero either if he's like he's a hero or if he's a uh, I guess he's kind of a hero, but it's like, I don't like, I, what, what do you, I want to get your thoughts on like, what, you, what would you say about like that, um, that arc? Like, what do you attribute that to? Or like, how would you explain it? Or how do you, or do you agree that that's kind of like where, where it went? Oh, definitely. Especially like this. Cause again, that's what I've always kind of gone back to. And that was, I got to admit, like, that's why it took me a while to really get in the haste era because I got so used to that Showa era of, you know, Godzilla as the hero, Godzilla as the savior. Um, you know, it is really fun going back to like, even all the way back. If you, besides 54, where, you know, like once you get to like King Kong versus Godzilla, he's still kind of that destructive force of nature. Mm. There really is, and, and Mothra too, it really isn't until you get to like Ghidorah onwards um, that you really get to see like the the true Godzilla as a hero figure mm-hmm. kind of come to light. But that was always really fun. Like I got Megalon and, and Mecha, like even when they use that trope in Mecha Godzilla, where like the people are like, when Mecha Godzilla is disguised as Godzilla and trampling around, and people are like, "That's not what Godzilla would do. Godzilla wouldn't just destroy for destruction." It's really like that's a really far cry from where we started here. Mm-hmm. But I do think that it's fun to kind of play with that. Obviously, like the Hasty era really kind of really distinctly doubles down on like the human versus Godzilla thing, and where Godzilla is more of an animal and a force of nature than you know anything else. And then the Hasty era kind of goes all over the place with it. But like, I I do really like when we do get like in King of the Monsters when we do get to see like Godzilla as this kind of heroic figure in the end of the movie, when he's like, he's, you know, the person that has to bring down Ghidorah and and everything like that. And I just think that that's such a fun element of, of Godzilla in the same way that kind of like, you know, in a very same similar, but different way to bond where there is a malleability now with the character where he can kind of exist as there's kind of the ends of the spectrum. There's the end of the spectrum where he is the pure destructive force of nature, as we see in like 54 and Shin. And whereas ones where he's kind of the more heroic figure, as we see in like Megalon and Mechagodzilla and King of the Monsters, and even like you could argue in a sense like 
uh, you know, those, those later like hasty films like Space Godzilla and to in, in some elements of Destroy. Like there's definitely, and then you can have something more in the middle where he's not necessarily the pure destructor, but he's not necessarily like a hero. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like we what we see in um, in 2014. That's kind of where he is. He's kind of in the middle of those two where. You know, he's not necessarily like this rogue figure up until the end of the movie, but he also isn't like a pure destructive force. It, like the movie kind of plays with that in and of itself. Mm-hmm. So I think that there's just a fun where it's like, you know, kind of like with a, if I made a Bond movie, I could kind of like, you know, you know, there's kind of like a difference where like I, if I was the first in a Bond movie, I could kind of do what I want. But then you're kind of still fitting into the era. Whereas like Godzilla, I still feel like there's really like if I got to make a Godzilla movie, I could really kind of figure out and do whatever I want, especially kind of in the most two most recent eras where it does seem like there is kind of, you know, even if we're going to not just Shin Godzilla, but the the uniqueness of uh, the anime trilogy and the way that they, that they they go off the different rails with that. But also even like kind of what we've started to see with this other uh, anime project and kind of what where where that's going to be like there's still so much fun to be had with the character of Godzilla and that's even before you put in these other monsters before you put in you know uh, Mothra who's generally always on the good side of history or Ghidorah you know and it's like how you match up Godzilla with those monsters also plays a part in that. It's interesting when I think about Fifty Four. Because in 54, I wouldn't call Godzilla the villain of the film. He's definitely the antagonist of the film in terms of he's like the monster who needs to be... But there's a level of the franchise having this mature, tragic take on Godzilla that it really is just a force. He's a force in the end... And in the same way, like, I know we overplay, like, the whole he's a storm and everything, but it kind of plays into his favor about why you don't mind also seeing him in any capacity. And what I mean by that is, like, you can see him in 1954 or even in some of the films where he is, like, like the early Hasey films, he is the antagonist. And and mm-hmm. some of, like, you know, in some of the better Millennium-era films... He, I mean, I think this is the reason, like, in GMK, we have a hard time with it because he's just a straight-up bad guy in that film. Because even in Shin, he's just kind of like a dumb monster. And the allegory of what he represents is so obvious and on its face that you don't necessarily attribute malice to it in the same way. Like, it's all tragedy, which is why I think that's the biggest thing about the Godzilla franchise that works when he is an anti- an antagonistic force because there's a level of tragedy to the character that it's just like this unstoppable thing. And, I mean, the whole kind of story and arc about Godzilla going from tragic, uh, destructive force to hero is really, I think, the reason I like the Hasey series because I think the Hasey series is kind of like the era that summizes that. Because at the beginning of it, you know, even when he's fighting Biolanti and anything, everything, he is the bad guy or the 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 antagonist of the thing. But then when you get into um, slowly as that series goes on, as you get into versus Mechagodzilla two, and then especially into Space Godzilla, and then finally into Destroya, like there is this acknowledgement that he is just a part of this Earth, like all of us are. Like, like the fact that, like, let's not forget that in these in these continuities, he is born out of 
another destructive force, which is mankind. Like, so it's like, you know, you can't call Godzilla, like, just the destructive force without also acknowledging, like, you know, him being a destructive force is, is just another offshoot of, you know, a bunch of different destructive forces on Earth. So because of that, that kind of levels the playing field a little bit, at least for me. Yeah. And, and then when you look at the story that way, and there's a level of, like, you know, People like seeing videos of thunderstorms. People like seeing videos of volcanoes exploding. Everybody likes to see a good tornado video, like, and it doing its thing. And that is kind of like that, in some ways, interesting, morbid, but fascination with seeing Godzilla even in the most destructive. Like, and anyway, sorry, like you you, you were going to say something. Well, I was going to say that one of the things I think that does lead to that when you really look at those franchises and how they kind of move is what always kind of leads to Godzilla having that more, um, you know, onto that more kind of heroic side or at least a more complicated way of viewing him is those films adding personality to the character. And that's mm-hmm. what's always, I think, the most fun about like discovering the Godzilla characters is is those guys you have such personalities because when you go again to fifty four like he is kind of portrayed as sort of this just this just this giant monster, and then once you start to get towards like King Kong versus Godzilla and especially again Ghidorah I think is just a big milestone you get to see the personalities come out like when you know again you kind of see in Ghidorah like Godzilla and Rodan kind of arguing with each other. I think the same thing in like the Hasty era, like when they they start again, kind of going to back to basics and in returns, and into extent Biolanti, where Godzilla is kind of back to being like, okay, he's the force, he's the antagonist. But then once you get to like, okay, well, you have like you know uh, Junior or whatever, or even like uh, again, a big part is when uh, in the ninety one Ghidorah, when you kind of have the whole relationship that 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 cre- that Godzilla has with that one guy that he saw in the war and now is like in the building and everything like that. You just start to add that personality to Godzilla. Mm-hmm. And again, like when I say there's that creative spark, the films find themselves so full of personality. And I think that's what kind of you could, really gives you that chance is like the more you add personality to Godzilla, the more you kind of almost want to root for him uh, in a sense. And the, and the other reason why I think he can easily be the hero is the same lesson that we learned from our commentary on 1954 and kind of the realization I made about that movie is the tragic end of that film is this simultaneous, um, this simultaneous um, criticism of nuclear power, but then also being mature enough to understand that unfortunately it, it has its place because at yep. the end of the film, it's like, okay, well, I'm going to sacrifice myself so nobody has this oxygen destroyer anymore, but it is going to be the thing that solves the problem at the end of the day. And that mm-hmm. is almost kind of like Godzilla himself as the franchise goes on, where you know he is the destructive force that has been the antagonist in a bunch of different films, but he's just kind of... I th- the lesson of uh, to me of 1954 is like this whole destructive nature is just kind of part of the way of life and we have to do what we can to like mitigate that but that just is how it is there you can't really demonize it in the same way you can lament it you can be 
um, you know, uh, you can be affected by it in terrible ways, but like, you know, there's really no escaping it. And Godzilla is kind of that way where he is like the destructive force where a couple movies ago he was toppling over buildings, but he's also going to be the thing that protects you from an alien three-headed monster. <laughs> well, I think, I mean, and, 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 and you know, he's like, on your side and you know, he's on your side too. Well, I mean, honestly, like what, what, gives Godzilla the ability to be an awesome hero is he has atomic breath. Like he has superpowers. Like legitimately <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a true. part of it. Like that he that like, you know, if he yeah. didn't have that then he's just a giant lizard, but he literally has like a breath and he can like swing his tail. Like there's this stuff that you can do to make him fun. Mm-hmm. And, and and then and also I don't wanna like, you know I, I don't wanna ignore the other aspect the other obvious aspects of it is because you know, Toho's not just going to make a series of movies that are 1954 each and every movie. Like you can't they, yeah. make a, <laughs> you really can't make a franchise of tra- like you can't yeah. make a franchise of tragedies. So I'm like not you really can't make right because even like even like though horror, I would argue that a lot of them like, are tragedies, I, I, they they still have that tone. Because I mean, that, there's yeah. definitely well, yeah, you but you have to be up and down about it, right? Yeah. Like you can't just make every single film. Like you're not going to make. You're not going to make a series of Hurt Lockers. Right. Because that would just be depressing. <laughs> you can't make Hurt Locker 2 and 3. But, like, you know, Godzilla, you have to have those ups and downs. Are you saying it's that the, like sequel, like, the sequel to the Hurt Locker would have been more of, like, a John Wick-type movie where he's just going around, just very cool, like, disarming bombs, John Wick-style? Um, well, it, would, you'd have, it would be a reverse Renner where, like, you know, Renner, like, you know, gets pushed out from movie one. Right, getting, right. You know, pushed out from like the re- the replacement movies. But that that is but um yeah, I I you're you're absolutely right. And, and so that's what I'm saying. I'm not I'm not ignoring the fact that obviously that there was just like the the obvious studio they just want to make fun movies. Like that is an aspect of it. But I still mm-hmm. will always argue that that doesn't get you to 30 plus films. And that's no. that's kind of why I'm diving deep into it and that's kind of what I found when watching all of them. Yep. Um uh I guess I can talk about like like kind of like my I can run down my top 10 since I'm a little bit more familiar with them. Um Yeah, and I I will do so as well. Uh should I what should I start from 10 or how do you want me to do this? I always start from 10. It's okay. always more fun when you start from 10 and go up. So I will say the what what just made it out of the list was King Kong versus Godzilla. That made it out of the top 10 by one. Right. But it's great. Um so ten was Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla two. Mm-hmm. I really like the direction of that film. I, I think yeah. that the direction, like the the fact, like that and Godzilla versus Mothra bring like the mystical kind of like magical element to it that I really respond to a lot in the Godzilla films, like in this kind of like this lesson of earthly symbiosis and and, and stuff like that. Um, that's the, I just kind of like those elements in a Godzilla film, so I, I've always liked that, and I think it's one of the best Rodan appearances. Obviously, Godzilla versus Megalon is at number nine. Um, mm-hmm. it's the perfect silly, um, Godzilla film. Very well paced. It's an incredible. It is incredible that a movie that has no plot can be that entertaining. Like legitimately, yeah, yeah, because it, it and it's actually fairly well paced because it gets into it, it has a it makes good on the monster stuff. I, I think that's like the big. Oh thing. yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and I mean Jet Jaguar, like that's yeah. Uh, number Jaguar. eight is Godzilla against Mecha Godzilla. Um, mm-hmm. That is the 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 one good Millennium era film. <laughs> 
Um, it, it's just great. It's just a great versus film. I, I like the version of Mecha Godzilla that's in it. That's great. Um, coming at number seven is um, uh, Legendary's Godzilla: King of the Monsters. Um, that's mm-hmm. a film that you know we we talked about on the podcast, but and I think you know just for me personally, I, I, I've my love for the film has only increased since I, I've seen it, um, and it's easily in the top ten. Um, there, there, and really the only reason it's not higher because I think some of the other higher movies just have just one or two other elements that just stand out a little bit more powerfully to me. But the one thing I say about Godzilla King of the Monsters is that it is the most emotionally satisfying Godzilla film for me as, uh, as a fan of the franchise. It just hits me emotionally very powerfully. Um, six was Godzilla versus Destroya. Just great movie. Um, and then as we get into five, um, my number five was uh, Godzilla 2014. Um, I just think tonally it's just it, it's such a fascinating, interesting take on it. And um, I understand some of the criticisms. I, I, I think that there are uh, some little kind of like messy things here and there. But as we've kind of learned, I don't mind I don't mind messy when it comes to some of my movies. It's like, you know, I, sometimes when it has a few warts, I, I, I kind of end up loving it more. But and it just all time best introduction of Godzilla, of him coming onto screen for the first time. I just I, I watch that movie to this day and tonally it never fails to like hit me in the same way than the first time I saw it. I just it, it just it, that movie owns. Uh, number four is Godzilla uh, versus Mothra, the uh, '92. Um, just great, solid Godzilla and Mothra movie. Um, then yep. coming in at number three is Shin Godzilla. We've talked about that one a lot. Excellent. Uh, number two is uh, Ghidra, the three-headed monster, um, and uh, number one is Godzilla, 1954. I mean, that makes the most sense to mm-hmm. me. Um, I think you and I are going to share a lot of similarities on this list. I think we both have similar tastes in both similar films. Uh, I will say my number 11 right outside the top 10 is King of the Monsters. Mm -hmm. Uh, That is my number 11. Just made it outside. Um, So starting with number 10, Godzilla vs. Megalon for all the reasons you said. Uh, uh, Again, it's just... I just remember that episode. That's another one that I really like. But I remember that episode realize, like talking myself into being like, no, wait, this movie is absolutely amazing. And it, it deserves that uh, It deserves that accolade, honestly. Um, just because, again, a movie with zero plot, but just has some of the most fun and dynamic monster action, like that last two-on-two battle with Megalon, Gigan, Mechagodzilla, or sorry, uh, not Mechagodzilla, uh, Jaguar and Godzilla. It's just some of the most fun stuff. Uh, number nine for me is King Kong versus Godzilla. Um, again, just one of the first great movies uh, outside of 54 and just a fun duel between these two iconic monsters. And just, again, just some of the first really great monster action and like raids again, kind of, you know, had all, all its stuff, but like just the end again, the end battle with Godzilla and King Kong is just so much fun. Uh, number eight is 2014 Godzilla. Mm. Uh um i'm a big fan of it um just just to, that's the where it landed um but i'm a big fan of it you know what that though the only thing i because it, it's such like i don't know like I, I i i say it's a controversial take but i actually think that like as the kaiju fandom has kind of come out they there's been another increased kind of appreciation for it the thing about it is like there's just no other godzilla film like it 
No, it's it's just like it, it is just a film like when we get the, we got to it on the podcast, I was just so excited because I really wanted to watch it again. Yeah, and I continue to want to watch it, and it's yeah, just be, like because, I just love just the emotion and and Edward's direction and everything like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're right. Um, number seven is Against Mechagodzilla. Uh, great time, just a great again the be- easily the best. Um, uh, the best uh, of the Millennium, Millennium Era film. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. it's just just again great story, great protagonist, great kind of backstory. And actually, I actually really like Tokyo SOS. That's actually number twelve on my list. I also like both of those movies together. And that and that's uh, a, but that's that, a good example of Godzilla being the antagonist, but it's still kind of fun. It, it, it it's like yes, like you you don't mind seeing him as being the bad boy. <laughs> mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, I actually made a switch just as you were talking, by the way. So number <laughs> six, number six is 92 Mothra. Um, just one, again, one of the best, just a fun, again, a fun cast of characters. Um, just the, one of the best Mothra, the best appearance I would say overall of, of, of uh, butterfly or the, the Amago form mm-hmm. Mothra. Yeah. Um, uh, just one of the best uses of Mothra. Still also one of the best uses of Larva Mothra to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, just creates such a dynamic. It, it, it's a reason to love Mothra. Uh, and now my top five. And the movie that I decided to move into my top five because I have such an affinity for this movie is Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla. I, mm-hmm. you know, me, I just, I love Mechagodzilla. I love... Again, it's just I always go back to just the fighting, and I love the way they use Mechagodzilla in that movie. I love that it's disguised as Godzilla. I love sort of the 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 Planet of the Apes aliens in in control of it. I love how batshit like it goes in the third act, where it just keeps revealing all this stuff, and Godzilla has to overcome it, and like overcome like Godzilla has to get super powered up and and all that sort of stuff. It's just so much fun. Mm-hmm. It's just a fun movie, and it just proves. I went into this podcast loving Mechagodzilla for really no reason other than it was a giant robot Godzilla, and that movie just proved that no, Mechagodzilla is great. Alongside against. Uh, number four is Destroya. Um, I just think the emotion of that movie, and it's really wrapping up of the Hasty era and the wrapping up of Miki and and everything that it, it really sort of says about Godzilla as as kind of a character. I think is so emotionally well done. Mm-hmm. Uh, number three, which, for me which, which is... by the way, I think. Sorry to interrupt, but I, I think that we need to give a special shout out to to Miki as one of the best ongoing characters in a Godzilla film. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, it's I mean, just. Uh, I know it's we, not we, many, we, but that's just such. It, a... it, 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 she makes the hasty era. I think. I think without Miki, I just think the Hasty era doesn't work as much as it does. It's a character they really should adapt into modern movies. I think a hundred percent. Like yeah. I would have definitely loved a Miki. Like again, remember when? Remember when we were so convinced that psychics were in King of the Monsters? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah. another one you can go back and listen to. We were pretty. Um, we were. We were pretty uh, certain. Yeah, that that we was where they were going to go. Yeah. So, but I would love to see like a Miki come back. I think I mm-hmm. think that would be a lot of fun. So that's Destroyer's number four. Yeah, number three is Ghidra, the three-headed monster. Um, I just think it's a it's a perfect. It, it's like I you know you can say the perfect films. I think my top three are all perfect movies, and I think Ghidra is the perfect fun Godzilla movie. It has every element that 
I love so much about the Showa era going forward from that moment. Like Ghidra is obviously in top form in that movie. The the whole assassination and Venetian princess plot, I've you know I've said again, just like with Free Eyes Only, I've talked to death about how much I love that, but I love it. I love just how crazy and wild that movie is, and even the emotion of just again the the monsters having to work together to 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 fight Ghidorah and Mothra's Lara Mothra's sacrifice. Some of the best use of the fairies. Again, 92 also has really great use of the fairies, who also shout out because they're amazing always. Um, the Shobajin. But just just so much fun and just, just a blast. And again, just a moment where like this franchise is amazing. Uh, number two is Shin, and number one is 54. And I just think, like again, everything that needs to be said about those movies is just said, has been said. But those are my number two is Shin, number one is 54. Awesome. Good choices. Good choices. All right, dude. Well, as we wrap up, why don't we just talk about the show itself and yes. some of our just our favorite memories uh, of the actual show? I mean that that was a good one you brought up recently about just leaning up like that was like such a fun one like because you know I always think about like really like the anticipation of leading up to films. I mean like I don't think anything is going to beat leading up to like the Force Awakens with Star Wars, but you know, there's also leading up to like the event, the the two final Avengers films, but just even from... the lead up to that first, I think the lead up to that first Avengers movie, to be quite honest, oh, is yeah, still yeah, so fun. memorable to me because that was just like that was so unique of an experience for me. But this, but in terms of this podcast, the leading up into King of the Monsters was a lot of fun because there, again, there was just something you know about that movie where we were especially when revisiting these these films like the fact that we were getting an american ghidorah and rodan and mothra and now that we kind of had lived with the characters a little bit uh there is just so much of the speculation of like uh like um you know we thought that there were going to be psychics and we're like well clearly that's going to be angiris like we're going to see like Maybe like an Abira or a Kumonga or something, and then actually not not none of those um, uh, predictions came to pass. We got but... like a, we got some other different monsters though, so that was fun. Yeah, yeah, no, no behemoth all the way. Um, yes, but uh, yeah, so that so that was a so that's definitely that was definitely a fun memory. I also yeah, by the way, I also think that that's where our fandom distinctly shifted from the Godzilla. Uh, at the beginning of this podcast, it was definitely like the Bond episodes were the more listened to episodes. But I think like right around King of the Monsters is when we really kind of reached into the kaiju fan base and got kind of our real kaiju, the, the passionate kaiju side of our fan base, like on board with us. Where the, really the second half, like uh, from King of the Monsters onward, like all our Godzilla episodes would, would really outdo our, our Bond episodes. Um, and because of the passion that I think really that movie elicited within the kaiju fan base and, and our ability to reach out. I got I got uh, an obvious uh, memory that needs to be brought up, and that's our episode of All Monsters Attack. That Wait, is... Is it, is it still to this date our shortest episode? That's not like our a... That's sh- not like a it's news our shor- or something? It, yeah, it's our shortest like regular episode mm-hmm. by far. And for good reason, because... There really still wasn't a lot to talk the, about. The that memory that I, is, the memory I have about that movie was that I we were just watching it and you hadn't reacted to it in a long time. So then I look back and you were just dead asleep watching it. Well, we and again, then I was like, "There's no way!" Right before that, 
Huh? Oh yeah, we did. But there was just no way like I was gonna suffer through that movie alone. So I threw like a like a like a beanbag or a beanie baby at you or whatever. So I was like, you know, you and gotta also, stay up for this. It's also very distinct because I very rarely, very, 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 very rarely fall asleep during movies. It's something that I really don't do and don't like doing. So, um, well, I went through every year and kind of picked out like a couple highlights of favorite episodes of mine. Um, because uh, it was very interesting going back all the way to, um, like even our early episodes. Like I think honestly, we kind of I, I you know we we took a while to really find the true voice of our podcast. But we started I think our From Russia with Love episode and our Godzilla Raids Again episode, like our, our both our second episodes were so so much fun and like for different reasons. Like Raids Again for being like the first kind of like ridiculous movie that we really saw, and I think. Uh, from Russia with Love was just again a really fun time, like you not realizing that that was Robert Shaw mm-hmm. <laughs> as uh, as Red Grant was always really fun. Um, I also, I mean, our Thunderball episode's a classic as well. Uh, but I th- I think our best Bond episode from that first year is without a doubt Live and Let Die. That to this day is still one of the most fun times I've had on the mic with you. Live and Let Die to watch and record with you was such a joy to see your reactions to all that. Uh, and uh, our our continued debate about whether or not there are supernatural elements in that movie will never be completed. Mm-mm. But I think that's always fun. Uh, I think our, I mean, our Ghidra episode is really fun. Um I was way too harsh on Son of Godzilla. I think uh, that's another movie that's not perfect, but I think I was really harsh on it at the time. Uh, I mean, obviously, too, the I, I go back to some of the most fun, like because there's a movie, there's movie, there's episodes where talking about the movie was the most fun part, and there's episodes talking about the production was the most fun part, mm. and us talking about the car flip and Man with the Golden Gun is also a, just a very big highlight. Like, in me having to explain why there's a slide whistle in the movie is is so much fun. But I, I, uh, if, I can, if I can interrupt just because I'm going to forget, but there are two very similar moments that both you and I had, and it was a during a movie reaction to something. And one of the ones, I'm, I'm kind of looking through episodes, and one of my favorite absolute pure movie reactions that you had to something was I mean there were a lot, but one actually that I think that because we we've talked about things like oh flying Godzilla and everything like that, so there's obvious things like that. But one thing I think that maybe even you forgot is the first appearance of Mecha King Ghidorah in uh, Godzilla versus King Ghidorah. Mm-hmm. Like when he shows up, like from the future, and he's like Mecha King Ghidorah. You had like an audible. You're like what <laughs> and it was just like it was one of those moments like this makes wor- makes watching these movies worth it when you have moments like that that was great mm-hmm. and then my one of my greatest reactions to a movie was and you have to remind me what bond movie it was in but was the computer that spit out an image of whoever, yeah. So, what was it? Bond like explained to him kind of some elements of like what the guy looked like, and then right. The so guy, Bond like, and Q go into the office for the identigraph, and they Bond kind of says like he had, you know, he like Q goes through a couple different hairs, a couple different like you know lips, and it's like you know he's like you know he goes through like 
nose was bigger. Well, not that big, Q, like all that sort of stuff. He basically describes what this person looks like, and and he puts it into yeah a computer, mm-hmm. the identigraph. Absurd. And then a, absurd. Yeah. One of the best. We had, that's one of the one of the times we had to pause the movie. It was uh, just the, it was too ridiculous. I don't know what, and I don't even know what it was about it that really just threw me. I, I just yeah. thought I, I, it was just like. I guess it was like the way it was presented as like yeah this would work. I'm like no, it, like it, it's just not it, it didn't even like real like it wasn't even like plausible. Like he just like said a few kind of like character traits and then like he typed some stuff in and it printed out like no. Like at least uh, put the- a helmet on him or something and it's I would have I would have accepted it like scanned his brain or something. Absurd. Ridiculous. Uh, the other one I remember from that around that era too was um uh license to kill with the uh the iguana with the necklace that you just you just laughed at because it just cuts to oh, this yeah, iguana yeah, wearing yeah. like a diamond yeah, net I necklace. remember that. Uh but again like that I think that first year was a lot of fun. I also I mean all all monsters attack that's one of our best episodes for sure. Yeah. Uh so listenable. I like our destroy all monsters. Um I think if I were to say when I was going through this like if I were to say like a favorite year of mine and just in terms of the quality of the episodes, 2018 is hard to beat. Cause we just start off with like Moonraker. We start off with Hedora for your eyes only Gigan, uh, Octopussy Megalon, View to a Kill, Mechagodzilla, like all those movies, all those episodes are gold. Mm. Uh, even mm-hmm. in the living daylights and terror Mechagodzilla getting into the beginnings of the Brosnan era. And, um, the beginning of the hasty era that was just that whole year I, I can't pick a favorite episode but i love our golden eye episode i love our view to a kill episode i love our moonraker episode uh tomorrow never dies was so fun um die another day i mean always with bad movies but die another day was great good fun i really love the therapy session of gmk GMK was really fun too. Because that, yeah. that was a weird because it's like because that was one where it's like it was interesting because I had complicated feelings about it and you hadn't seen it yet and so it, it really was therapeutic for me to get somebody in your position to really watch it, um, yeah, and, and do and do that. Um, but two episodes that are kind of related that I really enjoyed that we did is that I love doing Godzilla ninety eight. That episode was way more rewarding than I thought it was going to be. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then also doing the unproduced Jan DeBont film from just talking about the production of a movie was yeah. a lot of fun. Because that was like the only thing about the bon- the, the, the Godzilla um, stories was that, you know, th- they weren't quite as rich with like, you know, behind the scenes as the Bond stories were. So getting into the Jan DeBont unproduced one, which is thoroughly documented, was a ton of fun, I thought. It's just a unique episode for us in the way that we did it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, hey, we got th- that re- recording our little um, oh, yeah, reading we got, of the script. We got to do a little teleplay, which I thought was, uh, was a lot and of you, fun. And you edited that super fun. Yeah, that was during all this, this yes. year, too. Well, I want to go back to 2019 because Godzilla 98 is in that year, and that was so much fun. Mm-hmm. And because I again, I'd never actually seen it, and to go through that history again, so well documented, but also to, to discuss the movie on its own merits was great. But if I had to pick an all-time favorite episode, there's no other choice for me than Casino Royale 1967. 
<laughs> I think that is the most fun. Like telling you the story of 1967 Casino Royale to this day, like I will go back and listen to it. Like one of the best reactions of you on mic is me telling you about Orson Welles wanting to do magic. Mm-hmm. And just that was his demand to be in the movie was just he wanted to do magic. And then they're like, yeah, sure. But just that and like just kind of figuring out that the production of was this a Coen Brothers movie and then going into the movie itself and going through all the nonsense that that movie was, was great. And, and also in that same token, just the fun of our Never Say Never Again episode and just really kind of going into, no, this movie is great. This movie is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, I know also, our, I would say like uh, the, the episode that I know is our most popular among our listeners, our audience base, continues to be Shin Godzilla. Like I still hear, you know, the commentary on, on our Shin Godzilla episode and, and it's one of our most listened to episodes actually. Um, and I just think that that was one that I still distinctly uh, go back to. Yeah, and that, and, and that was and that was always fun because we waited so long for you to watch that. And I even gave you the option, like, dude, if you want to just re- watch this movie sooner. So I have to give you credit for that one. You held out on that on that movie. I wanted to. I like going in fresh. Yeah. I like giving the, the the fresh thoughts. Because at that point, it was like a couple years. Like it was like like two years before we dived into it. Now, I was going to ask you this, because um, we've talked about our favorite movies, obviously, in the God- Godzilla and B- on Bond side. Do you have a favorite watch from the era of us going into outside of Bond and Godzilla, like when we were doing kind of the more surrounding episodes? You know what? Uh, I, I actually, it, it's a really recent one, but for some reason, I was like really happy to watch The Spy that came in from the cold. That, like, was it, fun, it, that was a fun. That was a fun and it was very just, different episode. It, it was so. It, it was really. I, I mean, I actually. What I will say that diving into the outside material of the franchise on both ends was just a very refreshing all around. The spy yeah, that I came think, in from the coal was just so unlike what we normally watch, and I'm glad we did it. Me too. Me too. I'm very glad. Um, I think for me. The obvious answer, which, by the way, sorry, I know I'm interrupting, but that kind of goes into kind of what I was saying about Bond. It, it kind of like speaks to why I think it was kind of nice that we that the, that the Bond franchise ended a little bit earlier, so we were able to get into the 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 influenced movies. I think that kind of leads it. That kind of kind of uh, lends credence to my point about like how much that the Bond franchise really just stems into so many different things and is just yeah. as enriching to watch. So sorry, go ahead. The obvious answer uh, for me in terms of just the, a watch that we had within like the kind of later, like later half of 2019 or 2020 was Flash Gordon. Like Flash Gordon. Oh yeah. Oh, of course. You're absolutely right. That from was an it. episode perspective and like really getting into Dalton and just from the watch, like I, again, uh, on Twitter, I always do, and, and will. Don't worry, this is coming soon. I have my favorite movies from you know I watch in 2020, not from 2020. Mm-hmm. And uh, Flash is like right up there and competing for that top spot because it's one of the best movies like that we've seen on the course of this, this podcast. And it was just so much fun to dig into that episode. Um, I do again. We gave it lip service earlier, but we can't. 
that period outside the podcast when we marathon, when we binge Jack Ryan, and then finally getting to talk about it on air uh, was so much fun. I have uh, to be honest. I, I'm looking through the God. Maybe it's because I'm a little bit more familiar with the Godzilla like offshoot stuff, and we were with Godzilla a little longer. But I'm looking through the list of all the stuff we went in after Bond, and there's not one I, I'm not glad uh, like that. I'm glad we did all of them. Like oh, me too. Dar- me too. Darby O'Gill. Like I just kind of like looking at. Like Connery outside of them, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang was great. I loved looking at Austin Powers because I had, you know, with a lot of the context of Bond and then just with a more modern eye. I love seeing Clear and Present Danger again. Uh, Our Man Flint, I'm so glad that got introduced that in my too, life. That too. Like, that was such a, a mo- that was a one because all the other stuff is like stuff. Like, I think the thing was actually like Our Man Flint. And the spy who came in from the cold are the two movies that we well outside of one more which I want to what I want to talk about in a second are like the two that I really like didn't know that much about other than like the basic nature of them. Mm-hmm. And then, but, um, but I do want to say this before you get further in because I want to make this point first. Mm-hmm. An episode that I from this year that I constantly go back to. And just from a recording standpoint and what we talk about, the Dante's Peak episode is really yes. good. Yeah. It's a really good episode. It's a fun one. And one of the best moments of our entire podcast is us breaking down the absurdity of the Wilhelm screen in that movie. Like that Absurd. was so joyous. That was if I if I ever if we ever made like a video based on a segment of this podcast, it would be that. Did did I watch Knives Out for this podcast? Yes. Okay, because I'm glad I finally watched that, the best Ryan Johnson movie. Yes. So that that. Um, was, but that I was mean, great. I don't want to discredit like the Godzilla stuff. Like, uh, I loved, loved, loved War of the Gargantuas. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed King Kong Escapes. I loved. I, I really enjoyed Colossal. I think that was one that I was very happy you were able to introduce me to. Um. Uh, I was also very happy to uh, get into uh, I mean, the D- Dan DeBond episodes really could. It still is really funny that like our Pacific Rim episode is like our longest episode. Um, yes. For a movie that we're not that hot about. <laughs> we had so much to say about um, that movie. I think I, I had a fun time I actually had a really fun time going into Born Identity, by the way, and like really kind of getting into that one. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that was really fun. Just a lot of fun, really fun stuff uh, yeah. from this year. And I think that honestly, I mean, again, it was one of the things that, you know, this podcast really keeps me going and, and just having that variety this year was so much fun. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm, um, you know, that it's just, it was just so many good moments. All right, dude. Uh, we need to start wrapping up as well, much I do as I have, do love this. So that's why I want two, you to kind of two quick things. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, do you have any regrets? I actually was about to say that, but I didn't know if we wanted to get into it. Um, I don't know about regrets. I mean, I wouldn't I don't really call okay. it a regret as much as like, oh, like were there certain things? I mean, I would have liked to have like really dive deeper into Gamera. That would have been fun, I, I yeah. would have liked to have done that 
Um, I would have loved to have... The only thing I, I think I would have potentially liked to do, and, and, and the only reason I don't want to say it's a regret because this would have involved, like... It would have been involved, and it would have been, like, another creative direction to go in. But maybe a more comprehensive look into outside material, like comics and video games. Because mm-hmm. um, we did get that one deep dive for Bond where I talked about, like, the history of its video games and, and the James Bond Jr. But doing that for Godzilla would have been a lot of fun. Yeah, and just, like, uh, just getting more specific about it. Like, you know, because you're right, we talked about the history of it. But I would have liked to, like, maybe have had, like, an episode where we just talk about, um, like, the Golden Eye video game. Or yeah. if we talked about offshoot video games, like, that... Like, there's this great video game called War of the Monsters that I've talked about on the on the show that is like mm-hmm. a, a like a love letter to um, kaiju and American B films, like you know, so things like that. But then also like Godzilla has like a like a bunch of comic runs too. It does that yeah. I would have loved, like Hundred Year War. I know, and yeah, stuff like that. yeah, yeah. So I would have I would have liked maybe that was something that I I, I thought that we we could have got into i I would have liked to get maybe do a little bit more of a comprehensive look into like the cartoons like again i don't want to call them regrets because a lot of them are just like creative directions that were valid and and the only reason i don't call them regrets is because i feel like ultimately we did a lot that we wanted to do we did that we we, did and everything 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 we want, everything that we did is stuff that we really wanted to do anyway. So, yeah. I mean, my I, whole thing was like we got through the movies. So, everything else was extra. Yeah. I, there's two things that come to mind when, because I was thinking about this actually. Uh, the first one is kind of small. I really wish I wouldn't have chickened out of using the, um, the Bond and Jinx flirtation quote as the quote for the Bond uh, for Die Another Day. Because I was like, the the whole like, they, you know, what do predators do? They feast thing. I was like, oh, it's like so bad. I don't want to use it. But then going back, I was like, no, like those quotes are meant to represent the movie and that represents the movie. So right, I wish I would have right. done that. Even though I like the quote that I do. I, I, an episode I think we did miss that I would have loved to have done was Skull Island. Which we'll get to, don't yeah. worry. Yeah, no, I guess we will. So I guess I don't regret it as much. Yeah, but which yeah. I'm actually, I'm actually happy we didn't do Skull Island because I really want to do it in the context of, of King Kong. I, I, I get it. it. It's it's also not a regret, but the one thing it just speaks to how you're doing is like because the one the movie that's on record the the episode for King of the Monsters that we have is good, and that's the one on record. I think a revisit would. Um, would uh would uh, showcase my my thoughts about the movie a little bit better if we did it now, yeah. Because that's just kind of you know because that was like you know we did it right after we saw it, so yeah. you know that that's kind of like the closest thing I could say to like a regret. But yeah, yeah. Uh, the only other one that I have in terms of it because everything on the Bond side in terms of extra stuff, I was so happy to look at. Like none of those episodes I'd want to take away. If I had a chance to add one more episode to this Bond line, I would have loved to find a good chance to talk about a female-led movie that we really didn't get a chance to do. Because mm. I, I flirted with it a couple times, and it's just like I had just other stuff that I really wanted to do. And there is actually a franchise that's not 
spy related, but a, a short franchise that I might want to do on Bonzilla Presents at some point, which is Charlie's Angels, which I would love to kind of dig into. Um, but that's the only thing that I really like wish I could have done. But everything else I'm super happy with. And the last thing I wanted to do before we go, Will. Uh, I did, there, there, was, there was one thing I do want to say that I regret. And it's a really behind-the-scenes thing, and I think this is the biggest treat that the audience is going to get. There is one thing I always wanted to do, and it's the only thing on the podcast you've ever said no to. So that's why I, 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 I uh, agreed with it. But there was a bit that I wanted to do on every Bond episode... Because that was the one thing that we did do. Like, we had, admittedly, and this is just kind of like, you know, you grow and we learn about what works and, you know, what we what we are interested in keeping up with, where we kind of had more of a, like, kind of like a, like, oh, like, it was like either like you review the monster or something right, like, like that. Right, like we had like segments that I tried to get over. And it's funny because I, I want to save this, but the one segment we did get over... As usual, the one segment that we continued through this entire podcast was something that just was off the cuff one day, and yeah, we just I mean, kind of yeah, continued the, the, on. The other one, like we we tried, we tried it for a while, and it just naturally we just kind of let it go. But one thing, because you were that was one thing I wanted to do for the for the Godzilla podcast and for the Bond podcast, I wanted to do before we saw the movie what I thought the Bond theme song was going to be. And I was gonna make up a Bond theme song based off of the title, and That's it was. Right. And, and admittedly, it was the only thing that you said no to, and because it was the only thing, I let it go. But I regret yeah. that that is an alternate universe where you would have heard me sing a song like Octopussy. She's got eight of them, like just stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, actually, you know, going back, you know, it would have been. It would have, because I, I, I also thought I was going to talk about the songs a lot more, and then we didn't really do it until the song deep dive. Like I thought that was why. Yeah, I didn't but that was worth it. it. I mean, I thought that was worth it when we finally got to a deep. But no, dive we got, we it. did. Yeah. So anyway, sorry, you were gonna, how were you were gonna say? Well, I have some comments. Will, I did get some comments, and we said we would read them. Uh huh. Just a few. Uh, first of all, uh, of course, our, our man, cool man, cool dude. S save him for the save, cool dude for the end. Because okay. Cool Dude has been has really been there for us. So, uh, well, I did I did want to read this uh, nice message from at Vinit Aziz, uh, Vinit on Twitter. Uh, it was just one of my things where I tweeted out like, "Oh, we were kind of ending, um, you know, we're, we're wrapping up the series finale." And he just wrote this message because he was at, he was asking about what actually is next next because he hasn't gotten to that yet. But he said, "What's next for you guys?" I haven't listened to all the apps but I really, really loved everything I've tuned in for. I hope you guys launch a sequel spinoff series. The world still needs you. And Aww. then I told him that I told him that we were doing something. Uh, we were doing Star Trek and Kong. And he says, yes, thank you for the fantastic work. So, well, apparently the world needs us. Good. Uh, I also got some comments from our previous guests on the podcast, uh, Patrick and Kenny. Uh, as two of our first and most loyal listeners. I, I, I don't know about these. Uh, so I just kind of asked if they had anything to say, if they had any favorite episodes or anything like that. Um, and, uh, Kenny, uh, mentioned the moment you mentioned that he always goes back to the, for your eyes only episode 
and your reaction to the identigraph and oh, and yeah. and Bond going through uh that stuff. Um so he just mentioned that that was a uh just something that always sticks out in his mind as as a highlight of the podcast. And then Patrick had this message uh for us. His favorite episodes are Godzilla Returns, Biolanti, and The Living Daylights. Uh, he said, you guys were always insightful and researched and fun, and I'm way behind on the Bond episodes because I was saving them for my rewatch. Have really enjoyed hearing you guys' progress over the last couple years, and I'm very, very proud of you. So thanks, Patrick. Oh, I'm going to cry. That's and awesome. Then, Thank you, Patrick. Uh, cool Dude had a very short message for us. Yes. And really all he wanted to say is he wanted to give a shout out to one of his favorite parts of the show. Who is Harrison Ford? So thanks, cool dude, for uh, letting us know that you, that people actually enjoyed the Harrison Ford thing. That's what I was mentioning earlier that I had all these thoughts because I going back to the influences, the attitude era podcast has like, has segments where like grunt of the night or this segment or, or what is one of the hosts think of this? Like they always have their segments. So I was like thinking like our bond line of the movie and like, what do I think of the monster? And like, and of course, like the one segment that just consisted for whatever reason was who is Harrison Ford. And you know what? I almost don't want to answer because as much as I do, I think I think that's very insightful. That that cool dude. I mean, I don't know. There's just something simple about it, and it shows a dedication to the show. And I want I want cool dude to have the last word on that. Yeah. But we all love Harrison Ford. Yeah, and we will always love yeah. Harrison Ford. Well, he he's. I mean, to answer your question, he is Han Solo. Yes, or, or he used to be. <laughs> no, I, I'm I'm gonna have to say he's Indiana Jones. Oh well. Teach their own. <laughs> yeah. He is he is Ender's game. All right, man. Um. So, any final words as we wrap? I'll I'll, I'll say some final words. Um. Uh, again, broken record on this one, but the the show has been a blast. It has not only been great to podcast, which is something I wanted to do. It's not only been great just to talk movies with uh, one of my closest friends, uh, which I do anyway. So now we just got it on mic. But that's always rewarding. But just doing something that I honestly have found creatively, personally, and uh, mentally stimulating, challenging at times, learned a lot. Um, Just one more step onto in, in growth but an important one and uh one i won't for one i won't forget anytime soon um and uh i want to thank everybody who listened out there you know i i've always said you know it's we really did it because we wanted to and um you know we have uh what seems like uh even though like you know i i i've never really quite I don't want to say didn't pay attention to, but, you know, I, I never quite, you know, was in the position of, like, chasing an audience because this was mostly for us. But it is very heartwarming to see anybody that comes out of the woodwork and is, like, you know, there were people who came out and they said, like, oh, like, you know, this was a big, you know, some of the comments you read. I didn't even know, like, about, you know, some of these people who've been listening. 
So, and even if anybody had just listened to one episode, they came across like maybe our Shin Godzilla episode. You know, I find it so rewarding. Like, you know, even if I don't stay on pot on top of all, every podcast I listen to long term, it's just always great just to find like that one fun episode that you like watching or listening to. And um, I'm glad that uh, we were able to be that for some other people. And um, I'm glad that you let us into your ears to uh, to talk about nonsense. And yeah. uh, so thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you, Nick, for doing the show with me. And uh, Nick, is the you're, you're the one who's kind of going off and taking this podcast into the next uh, era of it. So I wish you luck on that, even though I'll be around. We'll still be here. Can never escape. Well, you can't <laughs> escape, but we'll... Uh, I do also want to thank everybody, uh, our longtime listeners, our newest listeners. Um, honestly, this podcast has just been the joy, one of the joys of my life for the past four years. And it's something that every month I would look forward to recording these and doing the research and getting on mic and just having this experience of sharing these films that I love and I'm learning to love with, with, with again, one of my best friends and with the world that this, our small community that I've been really touched by that is so passionate. And the, the, again, this one, we said that we were going, you know, we were moving on from this and the people that came out and said that they hope we continued in some form or fashion was just so amazing to me that we were able to, again, touch these people, you know, from wherever they are in the world. I can tell you that I will be excited to finally talk about No Time to Die in Kong versus Godzilla whenever we get the chance to do that. And I will definitely tell you folks that I have been doing my research on Star Trek and I've been doing my research on Kong. And I am so excited for this next step of the podcast. So thank you all. And I hope that you, the people out there learned something. I know that, the, again, there are people that are more on the Godzilla side that learned about Bond. I know there are people on the Bond side that learned about Godzilla, just like us. And for you to take this journey with us, it, it means all the world. And I hope that you continue with us in the next steps and enjoy and continue to be as passionate as you have been. So thank you, guys. All right. Well, until next time, whatever that time may be, I'm Will. And I'm Nick. And we'll see you on Bonzilla Presents. James Bond.